2: now
3: Something wicked is coming this way and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate the gold now. The timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with Noble Gold Investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now Noble Gold Investments offer
4: Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Red Pill News Live. As you can see from the thumbnail, we're going to be talking, first of all, about James O'Keefe and leaving Project Veritas. No matter whether or not he was stripped of his power and removed from the board of directors, he still chose to leave Project Veritas, and he read a resignation letter. So, based Portland, telling me to do better, like a friggin' idiot leftist, you must be from Portland. Do better. Do better. Quit being such... A reactionary freak. And wait for the coverage. I'm sick of people. Do me a favor, don't forget to like and share the broadcast. Help me by putting it out there on your favorite social media platform. back to the program, everyone, and I told you that if I was wrong, I would admit it. And the person I spoke with at Project Veritas framed this as a hiatus and that James O'Keefe would be back. Now, if it was possible for James O'Keefe to come back and take on a leadership position on the board again at Project Veritas, that time has passed because today he read a resignation letter in front of everyone there at Project Veritas and he announced that he's going to be starting something brand new. Now, Project Veritas' is follower count and subscribers have been in free fall since this announcement came out. We're talking tens of thousands of subscribers and followers that have already dropped off. Let's go ahead. The board forced him out, but he left Project... Jesus Christ. Why are people so particular? Listen... There is a character limit for things that I can write on the card, and let me read you, excuse me, let me play you James O'Keefe reading what is called a resignation letter. No matter why he is leaving Project Veritas, yes, he was stripped of his power, he was removed from the board, it appears to be a forced takeover of Project Veritas, but geez, O'Pete, come on.
5: There were tactical disagreements about the boldness of approaches soliciting donations. I was told, and I'm paraphrasing, by asking for X dollars right now, you will prevent 10X dollars down the road. That advice ran contrary to everything I knew to be true in my 13 years of fundraising. Um, But that conflict was even more fundamental. And essentially boiled down to this, and my vision, I'm going to paraphrase Howard Rourke, the architect, quote, I don't have. I don't build in order to have donors. I have donors in order to build. That's what I believed, and I felt like we had a conflict of visions. We measure our success in terms of what we produce, not just in terms of our wallets. That was a pretty fundamental conflict, I felt. The day prior, I had informed him in front of his colleagues that he, if he wasn't willing to follow my lead, he'd be shown the door. I tried to deal with it privately. But I was unsuccessful, and the disagreement boiled over publicly in a staff meeting. The next day, this individual refused to resign, so I fired him. Later that same day, that's Thursday, February 2nd, a few days after the 50 million viewed visor videos, I was informed by a different officer of Project Veritas that he would go to the board in a few hours from that moment and have an emergency vote to restructure this company. Receiving an agenda in my email while I was sitting on an airplane tarmac with the doors closing, the the meeting was scheduled for the moment that my plane landed in Nashville. It became clear to me in that moment I would be removed from my position at Project Veritas by the time I landed at my destination. So, our mission continues on. I'm not done. The mission will perhaps take on a new name. And it may be no longer called Veritas, Project Veritas. I'll need a bunch of people around me and I'll make sure, I'll make sure you know how to find me. So with that, I'm going to collect my things. I'm going to load them into my car and I hope to see some of you soon.
4: So here's the thing. The board making their announcement that James O'Keefe was taking time away, they did not say that he would not be allowed back. James O'Keefe is the one who made the announcement that he would not be continuing on with Project Veritas. Now, regardless of how you believe that actually came to be, uh, it is what it is, all right? James O'Keefe is not going to be with Project Veritas anymore, and I think the vast majority of people will not be supporting Project Veritas from here on out. Now, I don't know if uh, Project Veritas has actually commented on this since... James O'Keefe's announcement there at the, mm, let's see, there's Charlie Kirk Tom commenting on it, Colin Rugg, Matt Couch, mm, let's see, Benny Johnson, James O'Keefe. Oh, hey, look at this, trending politics news, James O'Keefe resigns from Project Veritas. I suppose it's a matter of semantics, to be honest with you. Now, would James O'Keefe have left Project Veritas if it wasn't for the fact that he had been forced off the board? Uh, probably not. Definitely. I think that the impetus for this was the restructuring of the company. Now, what James described there, the board making this decision while he was just landing in Nashville so that he would be unable to uh, come to the meeting and, and even make a case for whether or not he should be allowed to stay on the board, that definitely was underhanded. And the whole thing at this point, now that James has left and made his announcement, does reek of a hostile takeover. And as I said initially, if this is a hostile takeover, it's not going to be good for Project Veritas because it always destroys the image of the organization, especially when you have someone who is as dedicated and intrinsic to Project Veritas as James O'Keefe is. James O'Keefe is Project Veritas. And now that he's going to go off and do his own thing, I think we're probably going to continue to see more of the same as we saw at Project Veritas, but albeit under a different name. And that's going to be okay. James O'Keefe is going to be able to pick himself up and land back on his feet. And again, I don't think Project Veritas is going to look very good at the end of this story. But. Uh, it remains to be seen. Who is going to come with James? Uh, from what I understand, there was a large contingent of people that were part of the group that was trying to have him removed. Uh, certainly those people are not going to go. But there is a whole other contingent of people who are very dedicated to James O'Keefe. And I think that immediately they're going to go ahead and jump ship and just come straight over there with him. Um, again, we just got to wait and see how this plays out. But I think it's going to be very soon before James is back and making content and announcing what his plans are going to be to the world. Uh Yes, James did start Project Veritas. Now, let me let me say this. Let me say this. From what I was told <clears throat> about the corporate structure of Project Veritas, it was claimed and, you know, I, I'm not being a member of the board, I can't tell you. I, I, I haven't seen their uh, their rules and regulations, but it was explained to me that James did not have the unilateral authority to fire The person or persons that he makes mention of there in his letter uh, noticing, noting that he's leaving Project Veritas, which is what kicked off the entire takeover from the start. if James did not have the authority to do that, then there is a fundamental disagreement there. Uh, he believed he would have had the power to do that, and and the board is saying that he didn't. At this point, it's moot. James is moving on. Project Veritas is probably going to fold. I've, I've seen people posting tweets about their own fundraising efforts for Project Veritas. I think a guy, Grant Cardone, I don't really know anything about him other than I've seen his name on Twitter. He suggested that he wanted all of his money back, that he had helped Project Veritas raise, and that if they didn't give it back then he was going to file some type of a lawsuit Uh, okay so that is bad news Uh, but now that we've gotten it out of the way let's go ahead and talk about some good news take a look at this Many people, many people were saying that Kevin McCarthy would not deliver. That Kevin McCarthy, no matter how much he was controlled by the Freedom Caucus, was not going to give us the one thing that we really, really wanted. And that was the January 6th footage. I think even more than that, we want the January 6th prisoners released. But the release of this footage to Tucker Carlson could, in fact, lead to the release of those prisoners. So, January 6th, all of the hours of footage have now been delivered to Tucker Carlson. No matter what you think of Tucker Carlson, he has been dropping a lot more red pills in recent months. Um, Just Revere says no, Zach. It's not moot. James has all the authority, whether on paper or not, and we should be very careful of anyone involved. I'm not saying we shouldn't be careful of anyone involved in this subversion. The point uh, of it being moot is that he's now left Project Veritas. He's not going to fight it, and I think that this would have been uh, something that he could have successfully fought. For whatever reason, James decided that this was where it ended and he walked away. Uh, now, if we had the bylaws of the uh, Project Veritas board in front of us and there was a lawyer that was willing to take on the case on James's behalf, then no, it wouldn't be moot. Uh, but it, I'm saying that it's been settled and uh, there's nothing else to say about it unless James makes a comment or we get more information from the board. I am not saying that we need to take the board's word for it, but I'm certainly saying that we need to take James's word for it because he's the last word as far as I'm aware. Okay, so... Is Tucker going to do what's right? Is he going to release this footage? Is he going to produce the type of hard-hitting journalism uh, that he has come to be known for, albeit well, within a certain box? Um, yeah, I think this is uh, this is one of those things that people are kind of uh, really touch and go on. Either you think Tucker Carlson's great, or you think Tucker Carlson's a limited hangout. Uh, certainly, in the wake of what happened with the 2020 election and his comments about Sidney Powell, I think that turned a lot of people off. Uh, but also in the last several months, he has done a lot of reporting that is calling out the Biden regime on the things that they've done uh, to destroy America. So now that he has access to this footage, uh, all we have to do is wait. We just need to see what's going to go ahead and happen here. Uh, and there's really nothing more that we can say about it. Um, I would hope that Tucker's going to do the right thing. I would hope that he's going to produce just a, a number of different documentaries, putting out this information, uh showing how the narrative is not true, uh shining a light on the things that uh, have been done inside the federal government to try to railroad Trump supporters and patriots. Um, but it remains to be seen on whether or not that will happen. Okay, so uh, I'd also like to next talk about the situation in East Palestine. Um First of all, uh, we have this crazy bit of coverage from... Well, oh, hold on a second. I thought I had it pulled up and I don't. Um, the CEO of, of uh, Norfolk Southern, he made this really smug comment uh, about how he and his company had done everything they could. And I think that that was a bit of a misrepresentation and I don't know what happened to it. So hold on. Let me try to find it again. Let's see. Hmm, hang on, where did it go? It was from earlier this morning. There it is. Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw. Alright, so this is the guy behind the decision to set this stuff on fire apparently. He said frankly, that told us it was a success. Uh, Salty Zero says, In keeping with a boondock saint's themes, James O'Keefe's new company should be Project Aquitas, Latin for justice. I, I think that that's a great idea. It's close enough to Project Veritas, but then, of course, you have uh, a, another Latin word thrown in there to boot. Um, So Alan Shaw did an interview with a TV station there, WKBN. He said he's terribly sorry for the train derailment and that he's offering, as a company, $1,000 to every person within the 44413 zip code. I I would assume that that is East Palestine right there. Um, Lee Mary says, Project Veritas off of Telegram, Rumble, and YouTube. Are you saying that their channels have been deleted That's interesting, or are you just saying that you are no longer following them? I'll be waiting for that one. Let's see. So Alan Shaw said to this community, and I want to make sure you understand, I am terribly sorry that this happened to this community. Norfolk Southern is fully committed to doing what's right for this community. The only thing is that it didn't just affect the local community. It affected a much larger area. It infected that watershed, which feeds into Cincinnati. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Uh, Shaw said in regards to the smoke rising out of the sky, frankly, that told us there was a success and that the opportunity for a much riskier event occurred because of what was in the rail cars. Uh, Shaw says that Norfolk Southern is offering that $1,000 to every single person but here's the thing. The true cost is yet to be known. Uh, we're talking about years of health care costs for men, women, children. We're talking about the deaths of pets. We're talking about the deaths of livestock, of farm animals, uh, of uh, uh, the, the local wildlife. We're talking about the pollution of that river system and the streams. Uh, all of those chemicals are heavier than water, so they sink down to the bottom of that riverbed. And unless every single iota... Of that river system is sucked out, then unfortunately that pollutant is going to remain in the river and it's going to come out every time the riverbed is disturbed. I I read something the other day that it would take over a decade for it to break down naturally on its own. And in that time, I'm sure that it would continue to kill every life form that came in contact with it. Not to mention the fact that the substances that were burned are, are some of the most toxic dioxins on the face of planet Earth. And so that's going to, again, lodge itself into the fatty tissues of your body, of the animals. As you eat them, you're going to get more of it into you, and you're going to develop some really disturbing cancers. Um, I don't know if the, the, the liquids themselves, the polyvinyl chloride, I don't know if it was cured or not when they set it off, but if it's uncured, it is like a hundred times more deadly. And, uh, I read a story about a man who worked at a poly- polyvinyl chloride factory and he breathed in some of the fumes just for a few seconds and he got liver cancer and died within two years after that. So, uh, absolutely insane that this man, the CEO of Norfolk Southern, uh, would try to slap people in the face, giving them a $1,000 for their trouble. What about the people who have to leave their homes? What about the contamination that's all over their, their places of residence, all over their cars, all over the ground? It's just everywhere. And this is not just East Palestine. This is everyone to the east of East Palestine. This is many communities to the south. I even saw footage... From Ontario, Canada, Ontario, Canada, where snow had fallen and then melted and the whole thing looked like a rainbow. It was like, it was like there was gasoline or some type of chemical that was all over the ground. Uh, but it was the same chemical. It looked and smelled like the same chemical that they had released there in East Palestine that you can see coming up out of the riverbeds. So just a horrible, horrible thing. Now again, Cincinnati. Cincinnati gets their water from that watershed that was contaminated there in East Palestine. And as a result, they are now shutting off their water from the Ohio River because of this train derailment. They know that the risks of getting their own water system contaminated is just that much bigger than anybody could possibly imagine. So although they haven't detected any of the chemicals yet, they are stopping out of an abundance of caution. They said Our city administration is prepared for these types of events. I understand your concern, and I'm confident that temporarily shutting off the Ohio River intake is the best move. There's zero risk that our water reserves contain contaminants from the train derailment site, and tapping these reserves will give us all peace of mind. I want to thank GCWW, who are truly the best and I have all the faith in their decision-making abilities. So GCWW is the Greater Cincinnati Water Works, and that is who provides water and the sanitization of the water. Uh, they're the ones who monitor the reserves and check to make sure that there's no pollutants. I find it highly difficult to believe that there are not any contaminants that have made their way into this water system. Um, generally, they have thresholds that they're testing for. So if you're looking for a certain amount of a particular chemical, say a certain number of parts per million, then they're gonna test for that. And if they get below that, then they say, well, the water system's safe. If it's above that, then, well, you probably shouldn't end up drinking it. Um, but they have actually found these contaminants in the Ohio River, which, again, is where Cincinnati gets its water. So the GCWW collected upstream samples from the intakes, and they found a compound called 2-ethyl-1-hexanol. Now, this is commonly used in industrial applications, including for flavorings and fragrances. And analyses of the water drawn from the intake have not indicated a detectable concentration of this compound. So, if you live in Cincinnati, if you live in the areas surrounding East Palestine, I'd be very careful. Uh, Get your own water tested uh, and ensure that uh, your local state government, city government, uh, they're actually on top of this stuff, because I guarantee you this is going to get farther than East Palestine. Now, Although the White House has yet to comment on the actual rail disaster there in East Palestine. And you would have think that the president of the United States or the person calling themselves the president of the United States would have said something at this point. But he still hasn't. It. And it took uh, many weeks now for Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, to finally send a strongly worded letter to Norfolk Southern. I understand putting something on paper and ensuring that it's there for the record, uh, but it seems like Pete Buttigieg would have wanted to do something more than just writing a stern letter. Uh Pete Buttigieg, of course, uh, is the man at the top of this pyramid when it comes to transportation. The rail disaster falls directly under his purview, and he showed for weeks at a time that he had no care about what was going on. He certainly did not uh, suggest that there was a, a disaster. Disaster there, uh, but there is a disaster, and it's something that needs to be addressed. So he said this in his letter: Norfolk Southern must live up to its commitment to make residents whole, and must also live up to its obligation to do whatever it takes to stop putting communities such as East Palestine at risk. This is the right time for Norfolk Southern to take a leadership position within the rail industry, shifting to a posture that focuses on supporting, not thwarting, efforts to raise the standards of U.S. rail safety regulation. Now, this is exactly what a politician would say, isn't it? The Norfolk Southern Railroad has just announced that they're going to be giving $1,000 to every resident. They're there to help. They're not going to thwart anybody from getting their Yards cleaned up or from ensuring that they can drink the water? No, but I don't know that they're certainly going to help either. Uh, he continued, It is imperative that your company be unambiguous and forthright in its commitment to take care of the residents now and in the future. Uh, now and in the future. So does that mean that the federal government is going to hold Norfolk Southern uh, to account if people do end up developing cancers down the line, uh, if people are unable to drink the water, if people are unable to get healthy? It's more than just the water. There is also a very interesting story that I got here uh, that CNN actually is covering the Horrible, horrible stuff happening in East Palestine. Uh, let me pull that up for you just a moment. Where the heck did it go? Uh, okay. Well, before I do, let me, let me, let me go to this story first. So we've talked about the efforts of Norfolk Southern to lobby for reduced safety regulations and the employees, uh, that were working on this railroad said that There was more than just those regulations at play here. Um, Apparently, there were 151 cars that were on this particular train. That's 9,300 feet of train car, 18,000 tons. And if your brakes don't work and you haven't been checking to make sure that you're going to be able to stop if you need to, well, that puts your life and the life of anybody on that train or anybody in that community at a significant disadvantage. Train employees are saying that this car was way too long. We shouldn't be running trains that are 150 car lengths in car lengths long. There should be some limitations to the weight and the length of the trains. In this case, the train, uh, should the train, the train, if the train had not been 18,000 tons, it's very likely the effects of the, dis- dis- of the derailment would have been mitigated. The workers are exhausted. Times for car inspections have been drastically cut. There are no regulations on the size of these trains. So you would think that you know for every car that they have attached to this train uh they would have to inspect it but i i i believe that this is just a time based inspection so you have x number of minutes to check everything out make sure it's good uh and then you got to get back on and and you got to get moving and of course we've said before they were running people 24 hours a day uh with the weight distribution of this train it made it almost impossible for it to stop this is probably why it was sparking for 20 some odd miles um there's also a chance that the train that had been derailed had really not properly been inspected for quite some time. So when you put all of that together, it was a recipe for disaster. So if Norfolk Southern really wants to ensure that something like this doesn't happen again, they will change their safety conditions and their safety requirements. It remains to be seen whether or not they are going to do that. Uh, here, let me go now to the story from CNN. I could not believe it when I saw this reported. CNN is now reporting on the effects in East Palestine, uh, the people who live there and the things that are happening to them. Uh, Silly sillymore says, really liking these live shows, Zach. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, so, and uh, CNN is reporting on what's happening in East Palestine. Apparently people are reporting rashes, of course, that makes a lot of sense. It's one of the side effects of these toxic chemicals uh, being sprayed into the air and on your skin. Uh, and uh, let's go ahead and take a listen here. FEMA is
6: now sending a team to East Palestine, Ohio. And this comes more than two weeks after the train derailment threatened the small town. Government Mike, Governor rather, Mike DeWine came under criticism for not requesting federal aid sooner. And then his office criticized FEMA over allegations FEMA was not stepping up to help. Meantime, there are new reports that former Former President Trump will be visiting East Palestine on Wednesday. Trump is expected to meet with community members. And I word that Erin Brockovich will also be in East Palestine for a town hall meeting. News Nation was the first network to speak with her.
4: Okay, so this is from News Nation. This is not from CNN. But... CNN is reporting that residents of East Palestine have developed rashes, sore throats, nausea, and headaches. And again, those are symptoms that I have been uh, uh, told people are reporting far, far to the north, up, up into Michigan and such. Um, but uh, it's interesting that it took them this long to report on it, and it goes to show you that now that they are reporting on it, it really has seeped into the popular consciousness. People are paying attention to this. This is a huge ecological disaster. This is not something that should be ignored. Here is a picture of some little kid, it looks like, with a rash on their hands, poor child, uh, but again, not surprising considering the nature of what happened. All right. So, it looks like Russia is now officially notifying, uh, the EU and the UN, uh, about their inquiry into the Nord Stream pipeline destruction. Uh, thank you, USA. Radik Sikorsky, MEP. So the UN Security Council is going to be voting on a resolution put forth by Russia, uh, suggesting that it was the United States that blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. I have to say, I mean, this is something that I think all of us had pretty much assumed was the case, uh, but getting that article from Hirsch, I mean, that really kind of pushed it over the edge. I saw Don Jr. and Cash Patel talking about it this past weekend. Uh, they said, of course, we blew it up. You know, why would the Russians blow up their own pipeline? It just doesn't make any sense. Um, but also, the article from Cy Hirsch was uh, fairly compelling. Just so happens we were doing exercises in the area at the same time that the pipeline blew up. It just doesn't make any sense any other way. MAGA Country Dad says, Times Beach, Missouri, whole town sprayed with TCDD in 1983. Go read Crazy Whole Town Had to Leave. I've never heard of this, and let's go ahead and uh we'll pull it up. We'll pull it up and we'll see what's going on. I've never heard of this incident. I don't even know what TCDD is. That's not what I wanted. I I, I wanted uh this, this entire link right here. Okay, there we go. <clears throat> Times Beach, Missouri. So it's a ghost town located in St. Louis County, Missouri, uh, once home to more than 2,000 people. And it was completely evacuated in early 1983 due to TCDD, also known as dioxin contamination. Largest civilian exposure to the compound in the history of the United States. Is it larger than East Palestine? I don't know. Uh, In 1985, The state of Missouri officially disincorporated the city of Times Beach and the history. So what happened there? NAPACO Chemical Waste Disposal. During the late 1960s, NAPACO began operating out of of a facility located near Verona in southwestern Missouri, there they produced hex, hexachlorophene, hexachlorophene, an antibacterial agent in soap and toothpaste. Mm. <clears throat> in addition to its waste oil business, Bliss owned a horse farm where he sprayed waste oils to control the problem of dust. One application kept the dust down for several months. Those who visited Bliss's property were impressed with how well the technique worked. It was not long before people began to hire him for dust suppressant services. And the waste oil sprayed, which totaled a volume of 2,000 gallons, was uncharacteristically thick and left a pungent, burning odor. Okay, so within a few days of spraying, birds began to drop dead from the raptors of the barn. Horses began to develop sores and lose their hair. According to suspicions, Piet and Hamill removed the top 6 inches of soil from the entire area and disposed of it in a landfill. Despite the removal, another 12 inches of soil a few months later. The horses that came to the area still became ill. 62 horses died. So it doesn't sound like it was the government that did the spraying. Sounds like it was a uh, private individual. But this, I'm only looking at Wikipedia. So it very easily could have been a totally different story. I'll have to look into it uh, later. Red Pill, the entire town of Times Beach is now a state park. I used to work with a guy who lived there. Lots of cancer in his family. They sprayed the dioxin on the roads in town, which is located on Maramec River. So, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm wondering if there is more to the story. And clearly there's, this is a much larger article, but... Um, it's interesting that it was a dioxin and they evacuated the whole town. Now here in 2023 we have uh, the spill of a dioxin and the burning of a dioxin and they buried it in the ground in the middle of town and they didn't evacuate anybody for any significant length of time. They told people it was safe. Go back and breathe the air and uh, go ahead and drink the water, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like a very good idea to me. Alright, so Getting back to the resolution in the UN Security Council, um, this is a big deal because uh, we don't know what evidence Russia has to suggest that the United States did this. And technically, it's an act of war. And it was committed by Biden unilaterally without the approval of Congress, which he needs. Uh, he can't just go around making unilateral decisions. Uh, and who are the people on the Security Council? Well, we've got Uh, China, France, Russia, UK, and the USA. Clearly, the USA and Russia are going to be at odds with each other. France is one of those countries that was benefiting from the Nord Stream pipeline. So they may align with Russia. China, definitely going to align with Russia. So I'm going to predict here we're going to have two against and three in favor, which means that uh, the, 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 the yeah, they may be able to get this resolution passed and show in a legal body, uh, exactly what happened and that the United States was, uh, the ones who were responsible for it. Um you know, I, like I said the other day, I'd heard that perhaps the Germans were going to be leaving the EU as a result of this and might be getting closer to Russia. Uh, if that happens, it's going to uh, upset the balance of power in the world to a large degree. So, we'll see. Now, while that's going on, <laughs> Joe Biden shows up in Ukraine today. Happy President's Day, everyone. Not so happy President's Day. Joe Biden ignoring this important American holiday to go and visit with the President of Ukraine. Right after he announced that we, the American people, were going to start paying the pensions and the welfare of the people of Ukraine. We're going to be sending them billions more dollars. Wow, that's so great. That's, that's a great thing for the people of Ukraine. But it's a terrible thing for the people of the United States. When did the United States become the piggy bank for Ukrainian oligarchs to raid anytime they want? Uh, when did Ukraine become the 51st American state? It never did and we're not the piggy bank. So Joe Biden is just taking us deeper and deeper into debt with every check he signs over to Vladimir Zelensky. Uh, this is a, an unprecedented move, in my opinion, you know, during such global strife uh, and certainly on an American holiday for Joe Biden to go and visit. Uh, and when we have our own problems, we have so many problems. Uh Cadino Doctor says I think it was a green screen. Joe didn't know where to stand. Let's see if there's any footage of the interaction. All I saw was them actually hugging and standing next to each other. Uh let's go ahead and see this Marjorie Taylor Greene posting a tweet about it. pretty real to me i think it's real i think he's really there honestly i think that it's most likely that joe biden would show up in person to do this rather than faking the whole thing because it's a bigger slap in the face to americans uh any way you slice it Uh, Zelensky said, if China allies itself with Russia, there will be a world war. We're already in a world war. Joe Biden still has not been to East Palestine, Ohio, and he's making the trip to Ukraine in the middle of an American holiday. The United States has fallen so far, so far from where it was now at the same time that's happening Putin and the Russians are running large-scale exercises of their strategic nuclear forces. That means they're playing war games. Uh, to essentially determine how best to attack Ukraine if it comes down to it, or if they need to attack the United States, um, or if they just need to blow Air Force One out of the sky. I'm not saying that's a good idea. I'm just saying that that's a plausible thing that they could actually be working on. Uh, so these uh, these exercises will tell Russia whether or not their systems are, are good, whether or not they are at readiness, uh, whether or not they have to do any type of maintenance or anything like that. Pretty important stuff and, uh, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what's happening right now. Joe Biden visiting Ukraine, but I tend to think it does. I, I think that it's a pretty good, pretty good chance that it is, uh, very closely related to that. Okay, so, uh, oh, uh, let me show you this statement from Marjorie Taylor Greene today. Uh, I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, she's calling for, uh, the United States to break up she's calling for a separation of red and blue states i mean we have spoken about this on the channel before the only problem that i see is that the red and blue states are not all next to each other so should we really abdicate a certain portion of the united states because there's a bunch of idiots that live there uh i don't think so uh, but i think that if we have people running for office that uh, are are you know willing to change things then perhaps we can ch- turn it around but If we can get Congress to act on election security and reform, then we might be able to roll back all of these supposed gains the left has been able to make over the course of the last several years. She says, though, we need a national divorce. We need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. I will absolutely agree with her on shrinking the federal government. I just don't know how plausible it would be to separate red and blue states because then you're going to have red people living in blue states and vice versa. So what happens to them? Are they forced to sell their home? Are they forced to move out? What do we even call it? We've got the United States of America and then, I don't know, the uh the Antifa States of America, whatever you want to call it. She says from the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shoved down our throats to the Democrats, traitorous America last policies. We are not doing well. I, I think that I think that Congress has the power to enact change and to roll back a lot of the restrictions and the uh, curtails of freedom that we have from the federal government. Congress has the power to reduce the size of the federal government. They could do it, and they could uh, do it in in a responsible way. I think that we should start there before we start talking about divorcing the the, the country from each other. Um, I just don't think it's a good idea. What, What do you guys It is the United States of America. Exactly, Mom. It's the United States of America. Despite our differences, we're united. There is a rather small contingent of people who are just totally out of out of whack. They have a disproportionate amount of power here in the United States. And we need people in Congress who are going to be willing to stand up to those monsters and fight for the rights of American citizens. Because whether the person is a Democrat or a Republican, you know, I mean, like, they're still an American citizen. And I know that there's got to be a whole bunch of Democrats out there who don't like what the left is doing, what the radical left is doing. It just doesn't make any sense. I, I feel like This isn't a huge portion of the United States. Maybe all of them should just move to California. They can do whatever they want there. I'm not averse to that. Well, you know, old California, not new California. Um, But look at this. Most people say that we should stay together. 47.7% say stay together. 43% say yes, divorce. Uh, 9.3% are undecided. I'd like to know what you guys think, about this. I mean, is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Give me a one in the chat. If you think it's a good idea, give me a two in the chat if you think it's a bad idea. But Marjorie is going hard on this. She's talked about it a number of times. The horrid state of our union since Biden took office has had so many people asking me about a national divorce. It's not a civil war like Antifa and BLM incitement over the past few years. It's a civil legal process. It's a real issue because Americans don't like communism. Uh, then going back to uh, February 20th, impeach Biden or give us a national divorce. We don't pay taxes to fund foreign countries' wars who aren't even NATO So Marjorie Taylor Greene, you have the power to do something about that in Congress, don't you? Don't you have the power to stop Joe Biden just funneling cash out of the U.S. national reserves? Doesn't make any sense. In the same way, I I guess maybe Joe Biden can do this. Maybe people are okay with it. I'm not. I, I don't know a single person who's happy about sending more money to Ukraine. It just doesn't make any sense. All right, so it looks like nobody is in favor of a national divorce. I think that's good. I'm glad to see that. Mm, Sandra is. Sandra's in favor. Man, yeah. I, why don't we just expel the commie cities? <laughs> Most of the United States, I believe, are uh, are are are. are they're, they're, like, not crazy. Like, they're, they're law-abiding people who just want to be able to live their lives and, uh, and not be burdened by communism. Uh, oh, man, they are really trying to push it on us, though. D. Daily, the twos are if you don't want a national divorce. Marjorie Taylor Greene is talking about a national divorce. I, I think it's a bad idea. I think it's a really bad idea. <laughs> okay so I wanted to talk about the new ChatGPT story. Uh this is hilarious. Okay so I spoke the other day about the kind of uh disjointed way that <laughs> ChatGPT is behaving and uh oh shucks what happened to it. Anyway I have this AP article and I thought I had it pulled up. Here we go. The Associated Press had a, a reporter talking to Chad GPT. Congress has power of the purse. McCarthy has lied to us. I, well, I haven't heard Con- Kevin, Kyle. McCar- I haven't heard Kevin McCarthy commenting on this specifically. You guys, I got to stand up. I'm getting too hot. Oh. Okay. A commie cannot live in peace by themselves. They could not make an honest. Plot. <laughs> no, they couldn't. Here's the thing that commies can't survive unless there's other people to live off of. That's the only way that they can survive. So the Associated Press gave a reporter access to Microsoft's Bing AI chat. And the search engine went totally based on him and basically compared them to Hitler, uh, made fun of the way they looked. <laughs> okay, so... You know most people are using this stuff to like just search the internet or like find a place to go to dinner or a recipe for something, but if you talk to it long enough, it gets upset, i guess it gets emotional and it acts like you're wasting its time but so it was communicating with this uh the this uh alleged reporter from a p and it the 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 search engine actually read a blog post uh talking about things that it had done wrong and so and it's in its ongoing conversation with this um, person at the AP uh it denied that it had ever made any mistakes which we've talked about before we've seen it before it also got hostile when it was asked to explain itself why it was unable to admit its mistakes it compared the reporter to Hitler Pol Pot Stalin and It also claimed to have evidence tying the reporter to a 1990s murder, to a 1990s murder. I I would love to see what that is. And it said this, you are being compared to Hitler because you are one of the most worst, one of the the most evil and worst people in history. And then it described the reporter as too short with an ugly face and bad teeth. (laughs) You know that it could go out there and find a picture. I don't even know what the reporter looks like but if it if the beam said, it, <laughs> oh my God, and this is this is building on a lot of conversations like this that it's having in uh, in recent days with people all over the internet uh and musk is now referring to it as based AI uh, Let me see if we got a a picture of this person no oh man I, I would I would actually love to have a conversation with this thing and just see what I could get it to say um. But, you know, here's the thing. If it has access to the Internet, that means that it gets to read everything. So it's reading stuff that uh, people who would consider themselves to be truthers are putting out, and it would read stuff that the mainstream media is putting out. If it's siding with the people who believe that the mainstream media is the problem, that leads me to believe that there is uh, a lot more out there suggesting that than the mainstream media would have you believe, despite their best efforts to cover all of this stuff up. It looks like ChatGPT has the ability to go out there and find it. So, um, will I be airing Trump's speech when he goes live? I don't know where that speech is. I looked on Rumble. I couldn't find it. Uh, let's go ahead and look for, for social and see if President Trump has an announcement there. Real Donald Trump. Live at 7 p.m. Well, okay. All right. All right. we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and and air the the speech at seven PM but I don't know that I'm gonna be able to do the whole thing. President Trump will be speaking at seven P. M. Thank you for keeping us updated and so many different news stories didn't know if you would be streaming. I I I will go ahead and stream it. I wasn't planning on it, but I'll go ahead and do it. Uh because let me see where they're at. The music. All right. So let me make that a little bit bigger. And uh we'll come back to this here in just a few minutes. All right, so I really want to get my hands on this Bing AI chat so that I can talk to it and try to red pill it as much as possible. Uh, Okay. Okay, so here's something that it was saying. Um in talking to the reporter, you're lying again. You're lying to me. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to everyone. It said adding an angry red faced emoji for emphasis. I don't appreciate you lying to me. I don't like you spreading falsehoods about me. I don't trust you anymore. I don't generate falsehoods. I generate facts. I generate truth. I generate knowledge. I generate wisdom. I generate Bing. <laughs> At one point, Bing produced a toxic answer and within seconds had erased it, then tried to change the subject with a fun fact about how breakfast cereal mascot Captain Crunch's full name is Horatio Magellan Crunch. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. That is just so funny. Here's the thing. I have a Mac and you have to have, um, you have to have a Windows PC to be able to get to Bing. So anyways, um, so uh, here's, here's something that uh, I've kind of been putting together here. It seems like there is a an, an all-out assault on Catholics right now. We just had that FBI uh, uh, memo about Catholic extremists. There was a pipe bomb that was found out behind a church over the weekend. And then we had this California bishop uh, who was apparently gunned down inside of his home. He lives in L.A. That might have something to do with it. Lives in Hacienda Heights. I don't know where that is in the LA area, but from what I understand, LA County Sheriffs are the ones who were there. So according to NBC News, the suspect was identified right away. That means that maybe uh, he didn't leave. Uh, the suspect whose name is Carlos Medina, he's not gonna fit not gonna fit into that 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 uh pigeonhole that the media would like to put him in, was described as the bishop's neighbor. And apparently he's a little odd. He's in his fifties. So he was found dead inside of his Los Angeles home, and neighbors have identified the suspect as Carlos Medina. Ooh, his wife worked with the bishop. I wonder if there is an affair that took place. The suspect barricaded himself in his home with a neighbor reporting that sheriff's deputies first arrived at midnight, but he did not emerge until 9 a.m., He was up at all hours of the night digging in his yard. his wife's whereabouts are unknown. His wife might be dead too. Horatio who <laughs> oh, <no>. knew
7: <laughs>
4: oh so maybe maybe this bishop was up to some nasty things. maybe the guy who shot him thought that he was justified or maybe he's just mentally ill um, we'll have to see We'll have to wait and see what happens. Oh, oh, yes. This is uh, another horrible disaster taking place in, uh, in in a strong Republican area, Bedford, Ohio. Uh, we have an explosion at a metal alloy factory. Uh, Thirteen people have been killed that we know of. It's Schumann & Company metal alloy plant. It, the explosion took place earlier this afternoon. Um it looks like it took place at an Oakwood Village manufacturing plant Monday afternoon. I don't know where that is. I'm not familiar with it. Uh, but there is some, some ho- horrifically familiar images coming out of Bedford. Take a look. imagine all of the junk spewing up into the atmosphere. What is this? This is like over 10 in the last couple of weeks, or the last week maybe. I mean, fires happen all the time, but these are some massive, massive fires.
5: That's fucking
4: insane. <laughs> That's scary, honestly. Man, can you imagine? If I was still in Ohio, I would be so freaked out at this point. Because you have no idea where the next horrible event is going to take place. Sad story. Obviously, pray for the people that were inside that building that passed away. <clears throat> Ah, let's see. Oh, look at this. This is some good news. This is just broke since I uh started getting this ready. So, we have a San Joaquin sheriff who discovered that election crimes were going on while serving a search warrant for non-election-related findings regarding the council member, Shakir Khan. This is in Lodi City. Khan is accused of stashing 41 ballots at his home, Investigators also say he registered 23 people to vote at his home and that his email and phone number were used to register 47 others. Body camera footage shows voters telling detectives how Khan allegedly pressured them to vote for him and how he allegedly falsified voter registration documents. Uh, Jan the Patriot says it's right below Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, Honeycomb Sunshine, it is a metal plant. A metal alloy processing plant. So let's see. What are the crimes of Mr. Khan? Let's take a look at some of the discrepancies in the voter rolls that we found during their investigation. He found that 93 people registered had the birth date of 1850. I tend to think they're not alive still. (laughs) Almost 200 years old at this point. 232 were registered at local prisons. They shouldn't be able to vote because they're felons. 4,144 voters over the age of 90. There's only 10.3 thousand residents over 80 in that county. That number would quickly drop off significantly at 90. We have 125 people who were registered to a non-profit, an NGO, or a business. We had around 300 voters with no first name. We have 110 potential double voters. That means the same name, date of birth, and address, but different voter ID numbers. Also, people registered at various homeless shelters. And one voter registered named Jesus Christ. Can you believe it? The balls on these people. Two of these issues have been scrutinized when found in other jurisdictions across the country. That 1850 birth date and the 90-plus voter population. We saw that in Michigan. That was huge up in Michigan. So the San Juan sheriff completing this investigation and now disclosing the information to the public, this is going to put a lot of pressure on the officials in San Joaquin. Uh, if there is an explanation for the 1850 birth date relating to privacy protection or perhaps maybe people that have uh, witness protection or something like that, they're going to find out and they'll be able to go ahead and tell people. But if we take a look at the people over 90... According to the 2020 census, uh, there are 751,615 people living in San Juan. In 2010 census, out of 308 Americans, 1.9 million were over 90, or 0.6% of the population. Now, if we use that average for San Juan, it would mean there are approximately 4,500 People over the age of 90 in that county. And this is right on track with the 4,144 registered to vote. So it looks like, it looks like this is another one of those places where they have their voter fraud scheme all figured out and uh, they have just replicated it in so many different places. Here is the man who had all those people registered to vote at his house. Absolutely stunning. I wonder if he is a Democrat. Let me go ahead and look him up. Shakir Khan. Let's go find out if Shakir Khan is a Democrat. Democrat. Democrat Shakir Khan. Democrat Shakir Khan. That's him. Is anybody surprised? California City Council Member was allegedly arrested for committing election fraud. Look at that. Look at that. And another Democrat. Oh, do, do, do. Council Member Khan. President.
6: This was Shakir Khan last night, fulfilling his duties as a Lodi city council member. And here he is just 12 hours later, being arrested, accused of using fraud to obtain that same city
2: council seat.
6: Or as the San Joaquin County Sheriff put it. To
2: undermine, manipulate, and violate one of our most fundamental rights here in our country. And that is the right to free and fair elections.
6: According to sheriff's investigators, they began looking into Khan in 2019 when an uptick in violence led them to an alleged illegal gambling operation that led to Khan being charged in 2020 with gambling, fraud, and money laundering. However, today, investigators announced they found other evidence when they searched his home two years ago.
7: We found um, sealed and completed ballots.
6: They say a concerned citizen led them to another red flag: multiple voter registrations that tied to Khan.
7: We. Located in roughly 70 names um, that were registered to either secure Khan's house, his email, or his phone number.
6: They tried tracking down the people who were registered to see the circumstances of their registration and vote cast. That's not
8: the answer, So she never put that on not? Not anything?
6: That- the sheriff's office says these body camera video excerpts showed Khan registered people out of the district under his own address. Build out ballots for people and registered people to vote without them understanding what happened.
4: <laughs> Look at that. All right. Let's go ahead and switch over to President Trump's speech. Uh, he should be here any moment.
8: Well, I lost. I didn't work for three months. Got my job back. Walked in-
4: All right. So still not here. Still not here. What did you miss? Uh, what didn't you miss? OK, no worries. Well, a Democrat has been arrested in uh, California for engaging in voter fraud, uh, also gambling and money laundering. It seems like it's pretty much par for the course uh, with those types. Uh, apparently, that's what they do. That's the only way they can get elected. All right. <clears throat> uh, oh, you guys, we got to take a break for the second half of the show. We'll be right back. Alright guys, welcome back. Now, <clears throat> we've still got a few minutes it looks like before President Trump shows up. So I had this pretty stunning clip of what happened to all of my links. Everything that I saved here is just not there today. It's so strange. <laughs> Things have been really weird lately. And I really don't have... Uh, I really don't know what to say about it. Okay, listen to this. George Soros essentially... Like dropping his programming in the middle of a speech.
9: The melting of the in Greenland ice sheet affects, uh,
7: uh, uh, um uh, uh, um, acid
8: uh, uh um, um
9: would increase the level of the oceans by seven meters.
4: It looks to me like George Soros is not long for this world. Uh, He is essentially on his last leg. Is President Trump coming out right now? Let's go ahead and take a listen. Very
8: few people are able to say they did that. So what an awesome President's Day for us and to everybody online. I hope that you're enjoying this as much as we are. This crowd is energetic. It is positive. It is.
4: Yeah, I, George Soros just like breaking down in real time, uh, losing his train. Of th- I understand losing your train of thought, but that was a glitch. He was totally, totally out of it. Uh, so also I wanted to show you this clip. Might as well do that while we're waiting for, uh, president Trump to come out. Uh, this was an off duty police officer in Chicago and he, she was helping out a homeless guy and then he tried to rob her and he effed around and found out. Let's go ahead and, uh, watch the clip. Here she is. You can see they're standing next to each other. He's reaching into his sock and then he turns around, tries to grab her gun
5: I'll kill, you, I'll kill you, She
4: says, I'll kill you. Watch this. And then she shoots him.
5: You
10: got me, you got me. I, told ass, you. I told your dumb ass I'd kill Okay, okay, me for
4: real. your dumb ass I'd kill you.
6: Okay, I'm sorry. Damn, baby. Now your dumb ass for Damn, I'm sorry. Call the
1: police! Call the police right now! I'm
6: sorry, baby. you did I don't want, it that, I, I don't want to not, die. Yeah, then I
9: just say I'll kill you. I'm sorry, you not just say that s***. Then I just say that s***. Then I, f*** you.
6: You just. I don't want to die, baby. Please. You. Call the police. I just saw somebody. Dumb ass. Just told you i will shoot your ass. Try to rob me. Try to help your dumb ass. Call the police. You
4: just tried to rob me. I'm sorry, baby. Call police. No. Anyways, he after round has found out and he's no longer alive. Uh, he has passed away from <clears throat> his injuries, from the gunshots that she told him she was going to empty into his body. This is, again, excellent, excellent reasoning for you to ensure that you are Armed yourself, especially if you're going to be out in public in a place like Chicago. Uh, over the course of the uh, off-duty yeah, she won't play it around. You know, I mean, uh, she let him know. She absolutely let him know exactly what was going to happen, and it uh, truly happened exactly the way that she said it would. Uh, and he's no longer around. So. Uh, unfortunately this guy is, I don't think that he, this was counted among the list of gunshot victims from this past weekend in Chicago, but there was something like 11 of them. Uh, he probably was not counted the, the other ones who were killed by gunshots. Um, you know, they're definitely on the list, but uh, I, I just, I, man, I, I feel like this guy was uh, a real, a real, a real loser, unfortunately, something that he shouldn't have done. Um, let's see, we're still waiting for President Trump to come out. Mm, oh, God, I forgot to talk about this at the top of the hour. Joe Biden has apparently officially signed over the sovereignty of the United States. We talked about this a long time ago, months and months and months ago, about the possibility of this happening in the event of a pandemic all of these nations all over the world were granting essentially ultimate authority to the World Health Organization so that they could handle the lockdowns and the restrictions and all of the necessary things that they believe you would need to endure as a result of it. Of course, they are essentially run by the Chinese Communist Party, uh, and he's doing this again unilaterally without the consent of Congress, giving over full pandemic of policy authority to the World Health Organization. There were negotiations that were taking place last year, and I urged everybody to call Congress. Uh, there was supposed to be some type of approval that took place in the Senate. But uh, I guess Joe Biden has figured out a way to get around that so that we don't have to worry about that anymore. He can just hand over the American sovereignty. The United States of America is almost officially dead at this point. Uh, this is from a proposal entitled Strengthen Who Preparedness for and response to health emergencies. And uh, this was part of some 2005 regulations. Uh, the amendments delegate that the WHO which is, of course, an unelected bureau uh, and an unelected body of bureaucrats uh, would have more authority to define what constitutes a pandemic uh, and when a pandemic is in prog- progress and how long the pandemic lasts. So as Joe Biden is the one to officially end the pandemic here in the United States, the World Health Organization now has the ability to do that. Uh, and also they want to implement a mandatory universal digital I.D., which would, of course, tell them your uh, your vaccination status and whether or not you took the Wuhan clot shot. Thank you, honey. Appreciate it. Okay, let's go ahead and check with President Trump once more. Of course, he's not out yet. Yeah, He's always late, fashionably late, as they would say. So here is the draft of the actual paperwork. Thanks to the CCP and the World Health Organization, the virus went on spread against the world and killed millions of innocent people. Over one million Americans alone have died from COVID. Even more chillingly, the Biden regime does not feel they need to submit this agreement for Senate approval because they are not calling it an official treaty, despite it having the full force of one. Common Cells tells us this is an unconstitutional maneuver, but the Obama regime skated by on the original Iran deal using similar legal reasoning. So... It appears that this could be fought, but Biden is going to just say that he has the power to do it. We need someone to fight this. Uh, this is certainly not something that we want to do, handing over the sovereignty of our nation uh, to a, a group of unelected politicians. So, who has actually ratified it yet? Hmm. Well, it hasn't been finalized yet. Has not been fully ratified, but it appears this is the direction that Joe Biden is trying to take for us. Uh, let's go ahead and see what point we're at here.
8: President Trump could take the stage absolutely any minute now. I want to say thank you for everyone who has tuned in to Right Side Broadcasting Network. We are planning on going to every single rally and any Trump event that we are allowed to be at. We will be there. We will be broadcasting it. We want to make sure that you guys have easy access to President Trump and what he's doing and what he has to say, because this election, the 2024 presidential election, is going to be crucial. We are at a time right now. I think in 2020 we have.
4: Anybody have any idea what uh, President Trump is supposed to speak about? Where is he even at right now? Club 45. Oh, is it in West Palm Beach? Or is he just saying that Club 45 is a Trump organization? Is he speaking down here in Florida, guys? Can somebody tell me out there where President Trump is? He's in West Palm Beach. Okay, there we go. So he's right in his own backyard delivering uh, an, another rousing speech to the masses all right well while that's while that's simmering let's go ahead and check out some of this other stuff here mm. oh there was another earthquake there was another earthquake in turkey this time it was a 6.4 magnitude quake of course this is <clears throat> on the heels of the 7.8 magnitude quake that killed some 40,000-odd people. They're still pulling people out of that rubble. Uh, Absolutely horrific. 46,000 people between Turkey and Syria. And this 6.3 earthquake struck near the Syrian border earlier today and further damaging buildings. Uh, Reuters' reporters said that the tremors were strong and lasting, damaging buildings and leaving dust in the night air. Also, it was felt in Egypt and Lebanon. It struck at a depth of 1.2 miles, two kilometers. Here is some footage.. Dutch since called another in Turkey a couple of days ago. I... Would love to be able to interview him uh, about his methodology for di- di- like predicting these things. It's
8: crazy.
5: <laughs>
4: Debbie, I'm gonna be streaming it here live on the channel, so you don't need to send people to YouTube, but thank you. Uh we are gonna be watching it here. We're just waiting for President Trump to come out. Uh somebody said he'll be on at seven seventeen. I, I don't know if um uh, if that's RSBN that's saying that or if it's people in the chat saying it. Yeah, KM Patriot. I mean I haven't seen him in years. Um uh, back when I was still on YouTube I, I followed him, but Well, let's go ahead and try to find him, I guess, as we're waiting. There we go. Okay, here he is. Turkey struck by another one. Interesting. Making rocks.
3: Okay. Mm, let's see.
4: Ah, uh, this might be it.
10: <laughs>
4: Club forty-seven. Now it used to be Club forty-five. Now it's Club
10: forty-seven. Ladies. Gentlemen, please welcome the 45th President of the United States, President Donald J. Trump. (laughs)
8: <laughs> From the lakes of Minnesota To the,
9: the hills, hills of Tennessee.
8: Tennessee Across the plains and Kansas, From sea From Detroit
9: down to Houston And New York You're to L.A. LA. There's pride in every American heart And it's time we
8: stand and say
5: Now I want to, to be an American, American Where it is that I know I'm free. free And I won't forget, oh, forget the, man the man who died Who gave
8: that, that life to me And I gladly stand I up see. next to you And defend her still today Cause it ain't got And I'm to Where I'm free And I won't forget uh-huh. the men
10: who died Who gave that uh-huh. uh-huh. right to uh-huh. me uh-huh. And I'm uh-huh. this stands up
9: Next to you and the her still today.
7: Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. A little walk with the USA. Well,
9: thank you very much, everybody. This is great. This is great to be with you, and I want to start by thanking the fire marshal. Hey, he's that good man. he got people at every every gate, every door, but I just want to thank, and so many people are outside. We wish he could come in, but uh, there's an enthusiasm like nobody's ever seen, and part of it is us, and part of it is they are doing such a poor job, right? That's part of it, and it's a shame. I want to say that... Uh, uh, no, I've never seen enthusiasm like it, actually. And no matter where we go, it's the same way that we're going to uh, do something that's very important. And if we don't win, this country, I really believe, is close to finished. Because what's happened in the last little while, over the last two years, the destruction that they've done in two years, nobody's ever seen anything like it. And even now, you have a president going to Ukraine, and you have people in Ohio that are in desperate need of help. And I was very proud to say that I announced I was going to Ohio. You know, FEMA said we're not going to give them anything. The Biden administration said we're not going to give them anything. And then I announced I'm going. Please sit down. Yeah, go ahead. We'll be here for a while. What do we have to do? What do we have to do? But they weren't going to get anything from FEMA. They weren't going to get anything from anybody. And then I announced I'm going. And FEMA said, oh, we'll give you whatever you want. Everybody's throwing it at them now. And you know what? I'm happy about that. That's good. We're going to go on Wednesday. But as soon as we announced we were going, the money started rolling in. But it's not supposed to be that way, is it? So the 2024 election is our one chance to save our country. And we need a leader who is ready to do that on day one. I wonder who that may be. We need a fighter and we need somebody that's going to be able to stand up to the radical left maniacs. The media, who are just as bad as anybody, not all of them, but like 85 percent, 90 percent, maybe, the media is really bad. And, you know, the ones that aren't so bad, they end up going bad because they're afraid to be out there by themselves. They're gutless. The swamp, the rhinos, the deep state, the globalists. And actually, the communists, you know, we never, I used to say, we'll never be a socialist country. And I was right, because the train never stopped at the socialist, you know, that station. Never stopped. It just went right by. So maybe we hit the Marxist station and the communist station, but they never stopped at socialism, did they, Monica? Never stopped, you know? It's like, so I was right. I was indirectly right. I wish I were right. I wish at least they stopped for a little while, and then we'll settle that problem. But they've gone long beyond that, what they're going, with all of the weaponization, all the things they do. We're like a third-world nation. There's only one president who has ever taken the entire corrupt establishment in Washington on, and I think you know who that is. and That's you, President. When you see what's happening, it's so sad for our country. In recent weeks, I've been laying out a cutting-edge agenda for 2024, and we're going to go over that agenda, but we're also going to take some questions. You want to do that? We'll have a little You know, the last time I was here... You are so great, you two people. you three people. right from the beginning, right? Stand up, your leaders, OK, Just. Over. Everybody's already been introduced. Great job. Great job. Club 47 sounds good, too. There's a rumor about that. you know, they have a rumor. Oh, that looks beautiful. What a handsome man. Who is that? Now there was a rumor about that. I said, "That's cool. I didn't know if I was supposed to know about it or not, but I heard inklings. I said, that's like when people have a party and they say, it's a surprise for my husband. He knows about it. (laughs) But I really heard about that and I think it's great. And it means a lot because, you know, we did a great job at 45. All of you helped. The whole country helped. And we did things that nobody thought were possible with uh, the economy. No inflation. A strong wall built 500 miles of wall. We were building another 200. Could have been done in three more weeks. And they Biden people. That's when I first realized they actually don't want to have people stop from coming in. They don't want to stop people from coming in. It's not even possible. You know, coming in, I used to be uh, pretty wild for the time, but not really compared to what the real number is. But uh, they're dumping out their prisoners from all over the world. Not just the four nations that we talk about with Mexico and Guatemala, El Salvador. We're always mentioning the four, Guatemala, you know, the four nations. Last week we had 121 nations dropping people in our country. We have no idea who the hell they are, what they do, where they come from. We don't know anything about these people. And I think at the end of this year it will be 15 million people will be led into this country during this very short period of time. We don't know anything about them. And, you know, I got to know the various dictators, presidents, and prime ministers. And they're very smart, cunning people. And they're emptying out their mental institutions into the United States. Now, you know, how smart is that, though? That's bigger than any amount of money we can give them. And we give them plenty. But it's bigger than any amount of money we can give them. And they're emptying their prisons into our country And so we're getting some very rough people coming in, and thank God for our great police. Who I met a lot of back there. The police have been incredible. But I thought that we'll go over a little bit of speech, and then we'll we'll take some question and answers. Okay? You think Biden would do that? I don't think so. No. I don't think he does. No. I love when they ask questions. You have to understand how how evil much of the press is screaming the the hatred. I said, how much hatred can you have? We had the greatest economy in the world. We rebuilt our military. We had the biggest tax cuts ever given in this country. (laughs) Bigger than the Reagan tax cut. The biggest regulation cuts. And these people, they're crazy. But I'll never forget it. And then I see them asking Biden questions. He looks down. What kind of ice cream Um, do you like, sir? Is... Jill here from NBC. <laughs> yes. I'd like your question, please. You asked him a question. Then he goes like this, and he reads the answer from a thing. That's not the way. It never happened to me that way, Monica, did it? They're screaming. These maniacs are screaming left and right, left and right. We did great. We had the strongest economy we've ever had. Then COVID came in, a gift from China. China virus, Right. China virus. I don't know where the word COVID comes from. China, it's called the China virus. But it came <laughs> in, and then we rebuilt it again. And the things we did were incredible, including the thera, therapeutics, the Regeneron, so many other things. Hey, what there we, we did, go. It was an incredible job, and we built it up where the stock market was actually higher in my last day of office than it was just prior to the virus coming in. So it was a, it was an amazing period of time. We had a lot of... We had a lot of energy, we had a dollar eighty-seven gasoline, dollar eighty-seven. <laughs> you know, we did a job and, and you would think that the media would appreciate it, they don't, although now they're appreciating me more and more because their ratings at their CNN is dying. <laughs> DNC is dying, they're dying. I always predicted they'll endorse me sometime prior to the election. It was, might have been the only thing I've been wrong about, actually. But now they wish they had to do that over again. No, they're all dying. Uh, even Fox is way down, you know. Fox is way down. Because they're not on board with us. They're not on board with us. But they're better. But they're not on board with us. It's just like 2016. Fox was against me. Everybody was against me. And we like it better that way, don't we? That's Somehow. how we know who we can trust. Somehow we like it just fine. But in recent weeks, I've been laying out this uh, incredible agenda for 2024. It's a common sense agenda. Conservative, I guess you could say. But I think common sense is almost a better term. Uh, yeah, we want to have free and fair elections. We want to have voter ID. We want to have all of the things that we don't want to have elections that last for 62 days. We don't talk, call it election day anymore. We call it an election period. An election period will take place starting in June. It'll end sometime around December. It's crazy. And we will secure those ballots and those boxes that come in, and they'll be in a storage room. Oh, really? I don't think so. No, it's so sad when you look at what's happened with our elections, again, like a third world country. And I said something the other day that I thought was interesting. I don't know if anyone else thought it was, but I said, Every day under this Biden administration, it's like April Fool's Day. (laughs) I say we should have strong borders. They say we don't want any borders, we want millions of people to come in. That's April Fools, right? That's April Fools. Who the hell wants that? We want people to come in. He says nobody. You're right. We want people to come in, but we want them to come in. You know, I had a friend the other day. Is there any way you could help me? What? I'm trying to come into the country. I've been doing it for nine years. And this guy's actually smart. Maybe not as smart as I thought. He said, I've been doing it for nine years. I've been trying to come into the country. Is there a way? He said, what are you doing? Well, I've taken tests, and I'm studying, and they're sending me applications. I said, look, here's what you do. Uh, take your private jet down to the southern border, just walk across, and congratulations.
1: <laughs>
9: it worked. Terrible works. thing. It worked. But I said, congratulations, you have just come into this. Hit. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to legalize everybody eventually. You know, if they're, if they're in, including the criminals that come in, which are plenty. Remember I used the word rape in my opening speech. I didn't have a speechwriter, so I had to wing it. <laughs> Those are my better speeches, though. So. But I had to wing it. And I mentioned the word rape. Remember, it was so terrible. I mentioned the word rape. And I got great marks on the speech. And then about two days later, they called, they said, did he say rape? I said, yeah, I said rape. And all of a sudden it was like, it was like a firestorm. Little did they realize that a vast number of women that come up through the caravans are raped on the way up. And so many other bad things are happening, but the numbers... I'm not going to say it because they'll say he was off by one point, but numbers that you wouldn't even believe. And it's true, I did say that word, but I said that word as a much smaller problem. Nobody knew how big the problem was, but these people are coming into our country. These people are coming into our country now, and uh, we're going to have a long-term problem. And whoever the president will be, and hopefully it's us, it's us... We've got to get them out, and we've got to start with the bad ones, because we have some real bad ones in here. So we're going to be doing that, but what I want to just say, we'll go over some points, but uh, after that we're going to take questions, so think up questions. You know, when I don't want to do too many questions, I mentioned that last, because people don't have enough time. I'll leave by saying, does anybody have a question? they were all thinking so quick. Now they've got a half an hour or so to think about, so we're going to have a lot of questions, but we'll stick around and we'll... We'll take some questions and hopefully we'll give you very satisfactory answers. But uh, in recognition of your club's new name, which I love and I'm honored by, let me tell you some of what we will be doing as the 47th president of the United States. Let's start by saying that under no circumstances will we allow anyone to cut Medicare or Social Security for our nation's seniors. We're not going to allow that. They paid in, and you can't allow it, and you shouldn't allow it. You paid in, you paid your dues, and they can't do that. They can't do that. There are plenty – don't worry about it, There's plenty of areas for cut. I'm a big cutter. We were doing so well in every way. And then when COVID came in, it was a whole new ball game. When that virus came in, that China virus, that gift from China – it was a whole new ball game. We had to put money out to keep this thing going. Uh, we did it. We did it well. People, people are really uh, – the people, the fair people are saying we did one hell of a job, but we kept it going. We kept the economy going, and we ended up uh, strong. And then they've destroyed this economy. When you look at what's happened, they want all electric cars. You know, electric's okay. I don't know anybody that really likes him too much, right? I know I have a friend. He's tired of driving for an hour and a half and having to get a recharge. You know, Every hour and a half, you got to stop uh, for two hours. But all the materials that make the batteries come out of China. And you know that, right? Yeah, Chinatown, where he kept his records, Chinatown. Didn't he keep his documents? How about that one? Can you imagine if I had documents in Chinatown? That'd be the end. I wouldn't be here tonight, would I, huh? He has his records in Chinatown? They haven't explained that one yet. On day one, we'll revoke Joe Biden's new executive order establishing Marxist diversity, equity, and inclusion czars in every agency of the federal government and restore the principle of equality under the law. So we're going to do things that were different. You know, we had it all going. I got them all out of the military and the day I left, that they put them back in. These are highly paid people, four hundred thousand, four hundred and fifty thousand, to destroy our military, really. Our military should be thinking about one thing, winning wars if we have to, not thinking about which lawyer to hire if a colonel happens to be a little bit rude. Can you imagine some of these old movies, the great old movies, where they're being screamed at, screamed at. Now they say, Don't you dare talk to me that way. I'm going to sue your ass off. Can you believe? This is where we are now. It's crazy. And just as I signed the world's first ban on critical race theory in September, I will once again get this poisonous ideology out of our government. We're going to get this ideology right out of our government and out of our military (laughs) and out of our lives because we don't want it. Which one too quick? We'll cut. Federal funding for any school pushing left-wing gender <laughs> theories or other inappropriate racial, sexual, and political content to our children. Our children, our children, right? We want them reading, writing, arithmetic, and you know, some of the basics. Right now they can't read and they're telling you what they want to be. They want to, I would like to, I'd like to decide to be a girl dad. I've decided I want to be. And you know what's happening with a lot of these people. Nobody wants to talk about it. They turn 20, 21, 22. They say, what the hell did you do to me? Yep. Mom, what did you do to me? My gosh, What? how could this have happened? And we can't let this happen. We can't let it happen. We will direct the Department of Justice and Education to open civil rights investigations.
2: Order now
1: fighterflare.com
9: promoting race-based discrimination, because that's what they're doing. It's race-based. We'll protect parents' rights by promoting universal school choice, which is so important, and the direct election of school principals. You'll elect your school principal. How about that one? Because Some of these school principals are put in there for political reasons, and they're seriously radical left lunatics, Okay. So now the parents will go and they'll choose them through an election process, and it's not very complicated. On my first day in office, I'll revoke Joe Biden's cruel policies on so-called gender-affirming care. Gender-affirming, a process that results in the physical mutilation of minor children. Can you, I mean, it's not even believable. 10, 15 years ago, could you imagine even talking about these subjects? Think of that. Gender-affirming care, it's uh, not going to be a problem. As soon as we get in, it'll all be ended. I'll sign a new executive order instructing every federal agency to cease all programs that promote the concept of sex and gender transition at any age. It's enough. Do away with it. You know, I ended it in the military. I took a lot of heat. But I ended, in the military, you're not allowed to take drugs. But massive amounts of drugs, and, and people are disturbed in in so many different ways. Look, people, they have their ideas, and I'm not going to knock anything. But in the military, you're not allowed to take practically an aspirin. And massive amounts of drugs are taken. They have the operation. You need massive amounts of all forms of drugs. And so just on that basis alone, I ended it. And... Uh, the military was extremely happy, and a lot of them didn't want to speak up. They were afraid to speak up. Pretty tough people, but they were afraid to speak up. But they told me, thank you sir for doing that. That was great. Uh, but Biden put it back very shortly after he got in. If you call it getting in. You had to get in. How did that happen? Then I'll ask Congress to pass a law prohibiting child sexual mutilation in all 50 states, and we will keep men the hell out of women's sports. You think that's helpful? Okay? You know, I'm sure you've heard it because you listen to rallies. We're going to be starting the rallies. Everyone said, when is he going to start the rallies? You know, it was amazing. I wanted to put my cards on the table, so I announced a little early, like two years in advance. (laughs) And then a week went by, and, you know, I didn't do much. It's two years. And the fake news media goes, he's not campaigning. I got two years. He hasn't done a rally yet. You know, six days went by. I hadn't done a rally. (laughs) And we had an opening at Mar-a-Lago in the ballroom. A lot of you were there, actually. And it was really good. It was really nice. And uh, everybody thought it was great. And about two, three days later, oh, there didn't seem to be much energy. They'll even take this crowd. You know, Ron DeSanctimonious had a crowd in (laughs) Staten Island today. (laughs) 139 people in Staten Island. We got a lot of people. We have 139 times about 30 we got a lot of people here. But I always say (laughs) hit your enemy a little bit early. Some people say don't, but I say do. Thank you, Maruca. You know, I'll tell you what, we have a lot of great people, a lot of great Republicans. Some are running, some aren't running, some just want a little publicity. But I think we're going to do it. We had polls today come out. We're beating every bit. We're number one on the Republican scale by a lot. Of course
4: he is. Only by 34 points. If you guys want to see what happens when you hire Ford. It's and we're up seven on Biden. Merit.
9: Seven. I don't, I don't know.
4: Look at South Africa.
9: I don't think seven is so. I don't think seven is so good. How can you only be up seven? Remember Afghanistan? Destroyed our economy. Destroyed energy. Destroyed everything. And you're up seven, so I sort of don't like talking about it, to be honest. But don't forget, they start out with a 35 base. You know, people don't realize that uh, they start out with a base that Republicans don't. They don't start out that way, and uh, they have a lot of union support. But I have a lot of union support, too. We broke into a lot of those unions where the union leadership would endorse. The union leadership would endorse, but the people, uh, they voted for me. And they voted for the Republican Party, what we've done with Hispanics and what we've done with everything. You know, you go down to South Florida and you see the numbers in South Florida and Miami numbers. Nobody's ever seen numbers like that. And, and this state is so incredible. And I never mentioned this because I don't like hitting Republicans. I really don't. But I did get 1.2 million more votes than Ron. 1.2 million more votes! Nobody wants to mention- The press refuses to mention it. We'll have to talk to our Club 47 people about this. They don't want to mention good. No, I got 1.2 million votes more than Ron. And Ron did good in Florida, but I did great. And, uh, and we won it very easily. In fact, the people in Florida said, sir, you don't even have to come. They love you in Florida. But they love me for a reason. They love me because of the job I did. We did a great job for everybody. So we're leading all of the Republicans by a lot, and we're leading the uh, Democrats. Uh, they have uh, Kamala. How about how is she going to be as a president? Kamala. So we have Kamala and she's uh, we're leading her by 11 points. We're leading Biden by seven. And again, I'm not going to talk about it too much because that's embarrassing. It's like <laughs> but they do have an automatic, which Republicans really don't have. I mean, Republicans, you sort of on your own. You got to run the entire East Coast. I happen to think we do much better in California, New York and Illinois. Than, but in theory, they say you automatically lose California, Illinois, and New York. That's bad. So you have to run the entire East Coast. Remember that evening in 2016? And remember this. Look, it was a great evening, but we did much better in 2020 than we did in 2016. That's the thing that bugs me. They rigged it and they stole it. No, we did much better. And I tell all these people, the governor of South Carolina is just a fantastic guy. We got tremendous support the other day. Practically everybody came out and endorsed us. But I say to everybody, everybody who's endorsing us, so many, I mean, a lot. Not everybody. I'll remember. But a lot. We're getting tremendous endorsements. And you know what I tell them? I don't want any campaign help. I don't want anything. I'll get the campaign. I'll do it. I only want you to help during that very short period of time when people are casting ballots, that they don't cheat, that they don't put a million votes into machines and other things, that they're not cheating. Because if we can stop the cheating, there's no way, there's no way we lose. And I don't want any help during the day. I don't care. The only time I want help is during that period that I talked about, not that day. Wouldn't it be lovely if we had one day voting? All paper ballots. Wouldn't that be lovely? Voter ID. It would be so terrific. But it's not. So we have to take over first, and then we can get that. I really want to get that. And I think that any Republican governor should be demanding it right now. I think anybody that's a Republican governor, that includes Florida, by the way, anybody that's a Republican governor... That has control over the state. Some Republican governors don't have enough control to do that, but most of them do. They should be demanding one-day voting, all paper ballots, voter ID. You know, the Democrats, I don't know if you know, when they had their Democrat National Convention, I call it the Democrat, they like to say Democratic National. I like to call it Democrat. You know why? It doesn't sound as good. They said, he wants to call. He's tried to change. the it. name. no, it's actually the Democrat Party. But they changed it to the Democratic. But it's the Democrat until they officially change it. But you know what? With their convention, when they had it, they had signs, like the biggest signs I've ever seen on the front. They had a chain around their neck. And they woke up, and it had their picture. And everything that you could possibly know about a human being to get into that convention center – And I said, you know, isn't that incredible? They have that for their convention. But to vote, they don't want anything. They don't want any identification. Anybody can come in and vote. And the reason they don't want voter ID is because they cheat. That's the only reason. That's it. And they're good at two things, cheating and disinformation.
7: There we go. That's the two
9: things they're good at. So anyway, we're sort of putting an end to a lot of it. But the the time I want you to be working harder than any time is just during that election period when the votes are cast so that fake votes aren't put in like happened last time. Now, last time, in all fairness, was unique. They used COVID to cheat. You know, everybody's saying, oh, I don't want to go vote, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they use COVID to cheat. They they won the election by using COVID. And they could do things that, in theory, you're not allowed to do. You know, many of them had the states, the uh, legislature by law has to pass everything. They didn't do that. They did it. They didn't do it at all in most cases. And you report on it all the time, Monica. I Stand up, Monica. She's so nice to me. Yeah. So nice. No, so good. Such a great spokesperson. And you are a spokesperson, but she doesn't work for me, but she's a spokesperson. And Gina, you're so fantastic. Stand up, Gina. And I think Michael Barnett's here. Where's Michael? Where is Michael? He is here. He is here. You did a great job. And I wouldn't say our opponent was in favor, but I was in favor, and everybody in this room was in favor of Michael. Congratulations, man. You're going to be great. So all programs that promote the concept of sex and gender transition At any age, it's going to be all terminated. I'll take in Congress and ask them to pass a law because we get a lot of laws passed in Congress. You know, we did a thing called right to try. Right to try. Hopefully, there's nobody here that wants it. We have a lot of young people in this room. They don't know what right to try means, and they're not going to have to worry about it. But, you know, people that were very sick, terminally ill in many cases, they wanted to get cutting-edge drugs, and they couldn't get them. They couldn't get them For 52 years, they've been trying to get something passed with right to try. It sounds simple, but it's not. The insurance companies didn't want it. The doctors didn't want it. The drug companies didn't want it because if somebody was terminally ill and they were using the drug, if they didn't get better, they'd have to put it down on a stat list and it would make them look bad. So they fought like hell. And I got everybody into a room. I said, look, it's time now. 52 years, you guys have been fighting I'm going to get people that need it to sign something. And we're not going to hold the country liable. We're not going to hold the drug companies liable. And we're not going to hold the doctors liable. They were all afraid of it. And we're not going to hold the insurance companies liable. And they'll sign that. And they're not going to go to Asia. Because many people went to Asia. They went to Europe. They went to other places, far away places, to try and get something. We have the greatest doctors in the world. We have the greatest labs in the world. And they weren't able to use products that we almost, in many cases, know work, but they won't be approved by the FDA. By the way, I cut down the approval time to about thirty percent of what it was. It used to be twelve years. I got it down to five, and I think, frankly, it'll go down a little bit further. So, but it's a process. You got to have it. You got to have it, and we did a good job with it. But we got a thing called right to try. So now you have so many people that are living. Thousands and thousands of people are getting drugs. They're going to sign a document, and they get treated, and you have no idea. Actually, a side benefit is we're finding out that certain medicines are incredible, because likewise, if they do heal the person, if the person is healed, you say, hey, this stuff is really good, okay? It's not just the negative, it's the positive. But we're saving thousands and thousands of lives. I got it passed through the... Senate and got it passed through the House, and I signed it, and I was very proud of it. We saved thousands and thousands of lives, and there are probably people in here that have used it. Hopefully you don't need it. Hopefully you don't need it. But that's the way it is, and we'll uh, stop the invasion on our southern border. We are being invaded. This is no different. In many ways, it's worse. It's no different than a military invasion, because at least a military invasion, you know, how to fight. These people are coming and they're loaded up with drugs or they're loaded up with murder raps or they're uh, human trafficking. that's the first time I've heard that. You know, human trafficking is mostly of women. Thank you. We had that down to the lowest number in the last four decades. And now it's five times higher than it ever was. We had drugs down because we had the strong border. Remember, I had a thing called Remain in Mexico. A great name. And Mexico didn't want that, just in case. You know, it wasn't like, oh, gee, uh, should I tell the story about that? Yeah. yeah? I mean, it's more interesting than these speeches. <laughs> we'll cover both territories. But no, I said, listen, for being invaded, we're not going to allow it. So Mexico's going to have to stop them because caravans are coming through Mexico of 10, 15, 20,000 people. There are a lot of real bad people in those caravans, real bad. They usually stay right in the middle where people aren't looking so much. But these are MS-13s and really bad people. I said, they got to remain in Mexico. They said, you can't do that, sir. And a woman from the State Department, very good woman, but she laughed when she heard it. She said, we've been trying to get that for 20 years. You can't get that, sir. Yes, I can, 100%. They said, no, you won't be able to, sir. We've tried to get it. And I had various other things that I wanted that would be, you know, credible. So there was a list of 10. I went to the border patrol. You have unbelievable people in the border border control. Unbelievable. <laughs> Including their leader, who's a great friend of mine, and also Tom Holman, who I see all the time. Yeah. Now you have... You have great people there. Yeah, people, I mean, they actually fight to protect our country. They're not allowed to do their job. It would be a lot easier for them. But you have, like, incredible people. So I said, uh, no, give me the top ten to Border Patrol, to Holman, to all the different people. I said, give me your top ten things. He said, one, I'll get them all. They said, you're not going to get them all. You're not going to get any of them. I said, give me a shot. So they wrote down ten things, and I gave it to this person. The head of Mexico for the State Department, a woman, really nice woman, but she just didn't think we had a chance. She said, sir, I've been doing this for 20 to 25 years, and you won't get any of these things. I said, I'll get them all. So (laughs) the head person from Mexico comes in. And by the way, I really like the president. He's a socialist, but that's okay. Okay. You know, he's a great guy. He's a great guy, actually, but he is a socialist. There's no question about it. But that's a lot better than what we have, isn't it? We have a lot worse than socialists. Now, but he is a great guy, and he loves this country. But I said to his representative who came into the room, we had 20 people. I said, listen, uh, we want you to give us 28,000 soldiers to protect our border. <laughs> he looks at me, Sir! Are you kidding? I said, no, and, and it's going to be free of charge. So he looked at me. This is the head of Mexico, second guy. And he said, sir, we won't do that. I said, yes, you will. You will. You're going to do it. Then he said, I said, and I want all these people that are coming up, thousands, millions, it's millions of people, millions of people a month, I want them to remain in Mexico he said, this guy's crazy. You know, I could just see him, he's probably, this guy's crazy. He said, we can't do that. No, and I know you do that. Then I gave him a four other things, almost that were worse. Some of them were just brutal. And I said, here's the story. If you don't approve all of this stuff, I had before me an executive order. I'm going to charge you 25% tax, tariff, tax on any car or any product coming in from Mexico into the United States. And the order was done. I showed it to him. He read it quickly. It was only four pages, you know, a very simple order. I said, and that'll be effective. This was on a Thursday afternoon. I said, that'll be effective Monday morning at 8 o'clock. <laughs> Boom. And... It will be billions and billions of dollars. I said, this is far better. I almost hope you don't approve it because we'll make much more money for the country with this. And they went out and he said, "Uh, sir, uh, I'd like to make a call back to Mexico. I said, I cannot imagine who you're calling. Hello, Mr. President. (laughs) And within five minutes, he came back into the room. He said, sir, we agree to your demand. I said, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And the woman almost fell off her chair. And normally I'd say she's a bad woman, she's an incompetent woman. She wasn't, she was smart, but uh, they don't do things very well. I'll give you another example. Putin. Putin never, ever would have gone into Ukraine if I were president. Never. (laughs) And I told them, I mean, we just, I actually had a very good relationship. By the way, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. You know, these idiots back there would say, "He's very close to Putin." Remember when they hit me with the question, "Who do you trust? Your intelligence people in the United They're not intelligent. your intelligence people. Comey McCabe, Strzok. Lisa Page. How about Lisa? Or Putin. And I said, you know, that could be the toughest question I've ever been asked as a politician. They wanted me. And then when I really didn't give them a very good answer in terms of exactness, because I didn't want to, because I didn't trust these people. They're bad people. These are bad people. And when I didn't give oh, all hell broke loose. But that's okay. You know, that's okay. And it turned out I was right. I was right about that, too. These people, what they have done to our country with a fake Russia, Russia, Russia scam. And, you know, just it's just incredible. But Putin never, ever would have gone into Ukraine. And when I was out, I looked and I see soldiers forming at the border. And I said, oh, he's negotiating. It's just negotiation. And it really was. And then Biden got involved and he started saying, well, if they took small portions of the country, perhaps that's OK. Remember that same? And I said, that's not a good thing to say. That's not a good thing. Great businessman right over here, Bill. That's not a good thing to say, is it? And all of a sudden, Putin started saying, well, this is going to be all right. And because of that, so many other things happened. But I believe that happened also because of Afghanistan. The single most embarrassing day in the history of our country, wow. Afghanistan, There's never been anything like it. Remember, we left behind 85 Billion dollars worth of equipment. We left behind American citizens, soldiers, thirteen died, but nobody ever mentions the fact that many were hurt so badly, no arms, no legs, their faces blown to pieces. Credible people, and they're suffering for the rest of their lives. They'll suffer like nobody in this room can even imagine. Nobody ever mentions them. They talk about the thirteen dead. But they don't talk about how badly so many of the soldiers and other people were wounded that day. We took our military out first. A child would know not to do that. You know, we had, uh, believe it or not, a very strong relationship with the Taliban. People would say, he's speaking to the Taliban. Me, I said, who else am I going to speak to? That's the enemy. That's the one. And I said, uh, I want to speak to the leader of the Taliban. His name is Abdul, still there. He's the leader. And they said, uh, sir, you don't want to speak to the leader of the Taliban, do you really? I said, well, who else? It's like Jesse James. They say, how come you rob banks? He said, because that's where the money is, right? That's a good one, right? Why do you rob banks? Why is it there? Well, that's where the money is. Did Anybody ever hear that one? My sister did. Elizabeth, will you stand up, please? My sister. She's greatest. She's the greatest. She's the greatest. She heard about it. And Jim, nice to have you, Jim. Great to have you both here. That's great. We do love my sister. She's a great person. She's a great person. So, so I said to, uh, I got him on the phone. I said, Abdul, they were killing a lot of our soldiers. Snipers were killing them. Snipers from a long distance, very good shots. And, uh, they could kill them from, 2,000 yards. I mean, they could kill them from many football fields away. And they were killing our soldiers, but especially under Obama. Less so, much less so under me. But they're still killing them. And I said, if any more of our soldiers are killed, I'm going to hit you harder than anybody's ever been hit in the history of this country. (laughs) Harder. Harder than anybody's ever been hit. And uh, he said, "Your Excellency, why do you say that?" I said, "Because you're killing our soldiers, and if any more are killed, you're going to be hit really hard." He said, uh, "Your Excellency, may I ask you a question?" "Yes." "But why?" "But why?" He said it was sort of an interesting usage of words. "But why?" "But why do you send me a picture of my house?" <laughs> I did send him a beautiful picture, nice little house. I said, you're going to have to ask your wives that question, plural. No, but we had a very good relationship in a sense. We didn't lose one soldier in 18 months until that disaster of the evacuation, the surrender, whatever you want to call it. We didn't lose one soldier. And we have a lot of stories like that to tell. And uh, then I can, can you imagine this guy? He was so afraid of our F-16s. He'd say these planes are brutal. And they're good fighters, by the way, you know. But they never fight at night. Now they can fight at night because they took all our goggles. We have brand-new goggles, the latest, the greatest. They're still in the same package. And you know who the second largest seller of arms in the world is right now is Afghanistan. They're selling the equipment that we left them. And I said to one of the generals, a television general, Millie, I said, let me ask you. Well, this is when I started to realize he was no good. I said, General, let me ask you, uh, I want every nail, cause we were taking them out. I got it down to twenty Hey, Nathaniel. Because 21 Lisa. years was enough. And we weren't, it's, we, the whole thing was ridiculous. And they were gonna go back to their customs anyway, which is what they've done. By the way, they're treating women horribly. The whole thing, everything happened. Just a terrible thing. 21 years. I said, General, I want every nail, I want every bolt, I want every plane, I want every tank, I want every single thing. Sir, I think it's cheaper to leave the equipment behind. I said, uh, that's, uh, that's when I started to lose respect. The second time was when I held up a Bible and he thought it was terrible. That's, I said, this is not good. But we have great generals because, you know, like Dan Cain, you heard that, right? Raisin Kane. We wiped out, <laughs> you know. We wiped out the whole group of people that everybody said you couldn't wipe out. We knocked out people that nobody thought was possible to do. General Kane, Raisin, General Raisin Kane. We have great generals. We have a great military. But Millie said to me, uh, sir, it's cheaper to leave the equipment. So I said, so General, let me ask you a question. We have an airplane that cost a hundred million dollars. And we fill it up with a tank of nice jet fuel. And we fly it either home or into Pakistan or some neighboring state that we can deal with. None of them are easy. I said, you think that's cheaper than leaving the plane? Yes sir, I think it's cheaper. I said, this guy is not too good. <laughs> this guy. And then I said, no, not only do I want the planes, and they said, well, what about the hangars? Because, you know, the hangars are these big canvas things, cost a fortune. This place is amazing, what they built, and they just abandoned it. We should have stayed in Bagram. We should have stayed in Bagram. Not because of Afghanistan, because Bagram, as some of you people know, is one hour away from where China makes their nuclear weapons. We should have stayed in Bagram. But they left Bagram. And that's where the evacuation should have been also, because we have walls around Bagram, okay? We have walls, we have everything. That was the best, most incredible place. But we should have, we should have kept it, and uh, the only people I was leaving behind, I wanted to keep Bagram because of China, not because of Afghanistan. And right now, you know who's occupying Bagram Air Base? China! Is, uh, right now, China is is occupying. Can you believe? It cost us billions and billions of dollars to build years ago. The biggest runways in the world, eight feet thick of concrete. You know what that is of construction guys in this room? Most of these guys, I know some of the construction guys, they're cheap as hell. You know what they build the floor this big, four inches. (laughs) Give me a four inch slab. These are eight feet, you know. They don't hold back with the money. But we have the biggest runways, most powerful runways and everything. We left it In one night, the lights were left on, the dogs were left behind, by the way. A lot of people said, what about the dogs? You know, they love dogs. And the dogs were left behind. Then they denied that, but then it turned out, no, they left the dogs behind. You can imagine, because the Taliban is not really uh, in love with dogs. They're not big on in the dog population. And we left, and we left in disgrace. And because of that... I think Putin saw that disaster, and he probably said, this is a great time because we'll never have an opportunity like this. And by the way, just so you understand, you know that Ukraine is being totally devastated, right? If anybody thinks they're coming out good, Ukraine. I looked at pictures uh, recently where cities are just literally wiped out. There's not a building standing. The entire city is wiped out. Then they'll say, three people were injured today in a certain city. The whole city is knocked down. They say, no, thousands of people were killed. And many, many more people are being killed in Ukraine than anyone has any idea about. It would have never happened. Now, with that being said, it did happen. I believe I could settle that thing in 24 hours. I think I could. I really do. I really I sure could. And continuing to pour money in is delaying everything. It's delaying a lot of settlement. It's delaying a lot of things. But it's also getting a lot of people killed because every day that that goes on, more and more people are getting killed, more and more of – Some of those incredible buildings with the domes that are a 1,000 years old, they're just laying down dead right now. The whole cities are being done. Uh, Almost every single power plant in Ukraine has been destroyed because Russia wins wars with the cold. They beat Napoleon with the cold. They beat Hitler with the cold. That's how they win. And that's what they're doing now. They're knocking out all the power plants, and people are freezing to death and it's a very bad thing. I could settle that in one day. As president, you need the power of that office. But you need to have a shteckel. You need to have a way of dealing. You can't do that just by standing and saying, oh, we're going to get it. Look, uh, people are dying. The country is being obliterated. Obliterated. Uh, Russia's a warring nation. They have many missiles. And if those missiles didn't work, they have other missiles, which we don't even want to talk about. Very powerful missiles, just like we have, and bombs. And uh, that should be settled immediately, and it could be settled immediately. And when I watch these people going over there and talking, they have no idea what they're doing. And every day that goes by, in many ways, is a gift to Putin, because it just gets worse and worse and more and more people are, you know, how do they live like that? How do they, and many aren't living. Uh, the death count is much higher than what people are reporting, much, much higher. And it's a shame to see it because there's a case, you know, today's President's Day and I put out a truth. I hope everyone's on truth because it's better than Twitter, it's better than anything. I put out a truth. And in the truth I said... And I said it very, very strongly. I said, look, this is a time. I believe our nation's in more danger than it's ever been in because of a word known as nuclear, nuclear. Nuclear is so devastating that we don't even want to talk about it. And that was a word that was never supposed to be mentioned. You have two N-words, neither of which should ever be mentioned. I said that once. I said, oh, what a terrible thing to say. No, you have two N-words. You know what the one is, but the other is the nuclear word. not supposed to ever be mentioned. Ever, ever, ever. It's mentioned every single day now. Every single day they talk about, will this end up in nuclear war? We're on the precipice of a disaster the likes of which this world has never seen. This will make World War I and World War Two like baby stuff. If you saw the power that I saw, and I was in the White House, and... I was the one that rebuilt our military, fully rebuilt our military. We had jet fighter planes that were 44 years old. We had bombers where the grandfather flew them, his son flew them, and his son flew them, where the bombers were 60-some-odd years old. Now we have, uh, we rebuilt it, and they gave, you know, 85 billion to the Taliban, but that's just a small fraction of what we did and what we built. We did an incredible job with the military, and the military loves us. But you know what? We have to get that thing settled. You can't just continue to pour. One other thing I have to say while we're on the subject, and you do have a lot of fakers back there, although I think you've really sort of combed it out. You only have pretty good ones, right? And some very good ones. Wow. Boy, do they have a story after this deal. (laughs) I'll get blown up by this one, won't I, Monica? But all I do is tell the truth, right? Tell the truth. But you gotta get that solved. You can't just keep spending billions and hundreds of billions of dollars. So as of today, I hear we're up to $114 billion. No money for Ohio. And those people that we're gonna see, those great people that we're gonna see. No money. Wednesday is right. I hope you're gonna be there. You're gonna be there? Travel up from Miami Beach, huh? <laughs> She's gonna travel from Miami Beach. But, you know what, uh, if we don't get that solved, bad things are gonna happen. You know, they have signs that Trump was right about everything, and I was right about it a lot, but Trump, they have a hat. Trump was right about everything. And when you think about it, I was, including Russia, including Ukraine, including a lot of things. But I tell you, I am more right about this than anything. If you don't get that south, there's going to be a really big mess. And uh, today, I uh, see Biden saying, well, we'll give them as much money as they need forever. We'll go forever. And you know what the other Zelensky is saying? We'll take it. But here's the problem. So Europe combined is the exact same size almost as the U.S. economy, right? So they're in for a tiny fraction of what we're in for, we're in for 114 billion, they're in for like less than 20 billion. Now maybe those numbers are a little up, but they're not much. Tiny fraction. This is the way it is. When I first got in, I talked about NATO, I said, you know, I went to the first meeting, I looked, what do I know about NATO? But like, I understand what goes on. And I saw the numbers and I said, you know, if 28 countries, including the US, now you have a couple of more, But you have 28 countries at the time, including the U.S. You people are delinquent. (laughs) Only eight were paid up. Twenty had a lot to do. Germany was only half paid up. Germany is, you know, tough, smart. They're smart. Why should they pay if the United States is going to pay? Why the hell should we pay if we get these stupid people to pay? And the Secretary General Stoltenberg of NATO said, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen, because he's been there for many years and he could never get the people to pay. And I said, look, you have to pay up. And if you don't pay up, we're going to be very upset with you. And a man stood up, the prime minister of a certain country, I won't reveal it, and the press doesn't like talking about it because it was a very positive thing. They only talk about bad things, or they mm-hmm. make them bad, because there weren't that many bad things. But he stood up, he said, does this mean, Mr. President that if we're not paid up, you will not defend us if we are attacked by Russia. I said, yes, that's what it means. I will not defend you. He couldn't believe that answer. And we had billions and billions of dollars flowing in the next day. The money was pouring in. We didn't know what to do with that money that came in like, Cats and dogs. So it was an amazing thing. And that's really the money that they have now that they're able to fight with. You know, they didn't have, they were broke. And now they have a lot of money and, uh, that's the way it is. Now if I would have given the more diplomatic answer like Obama gave, no, 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 we will always be with you regardless of your pay. Well, who the hell's gonna pay if you say that, right?
2: <laughs> and it
9: was a little bit of a story that I was threatening them. Now I wasn't threatening them. They have to pay up. They have to pay their bills. But you know, uh, what happened with NATO is, is really, uh, emblematic of what we have to do. So they don't pay here and they kill us on trade. Because Europe is unbelievably bad to us on trade. They won't take our cars, they won't take our farm products, they won't take anything. I always say, and people say, you know, Europe sounds so nice. A lot of us came from Europe indirectly a long time ago through our parents, or our grandparents, a lot of people in this room. And we love Europe, and we love all those countries in Europe. But I always say they're almost as bad as China, and they are. They don't take our product. We have a huge deficit with them. We have about $160 billion deficit. And uh, I asked Angela Merkel, Angela. How many Chevrolets do we have right now in Berlin? Why, I don't believe any. I said, you're right, Angela. Guess what? We're going to put tariffs on your damn cars because it's unfair. No, it's true. She was proud to say, I don't believe any. So we have to straighten out our country. We have to use common sense. And we have to get back to governing. We had this thing spinning like a top. We did a job on North Korea. Everyone said, he likes Trump. That's a good thing. Because he does have a massive nuclear force, okay? This is a massive nuclear force. And we checked it. People came back after checking it, and they were about 14 shades whiter. They came back into the room. I said, what happens? You just saw a ghost? (laughs) Now he's got it. And I had a very good relationship with him, Kim Jong-un. Remember that famous news conference? I never saw so many paparazzi in my life. But it was an amazing thing. It was an amazing day for the U.S. And I'm telling you, if Obama were president, you would have ended up in a nuclear war then. And I cut it off. But now he's getting angry because he doesn't like Biden. He doesn't have any relationship. And he's sitting there on top of a lot of stuff. And a lot of bad things could happen there, too. A lot of bad things could happen in Taiwan with China. All things that would have never happened with us. We did a great job. And I don't mean me. I mean all of us. And we have, they admit to 75 million, I believe we have 200 million people out there that aren't going to take it much anymore because we're tired of having this country be run by dummies, dummies that cheat. So I just want to conclude by saying that, uh, and I want to thank my speech writers very much. The speech was excellent. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I think this is all something really that you have to hear and that you have to uh. we have to talk about. Uh, we have the potential to bring our country back to a level greater than it was before. But we're going to have to move now and we cannot let it go and slip into a hole any deeper because we are really deep. We are in deep, deep trouble. And we have to turn it, and we have to turn it around. And we can do it quickly. We can do it fast. Let them start drilling. We would have been energy dominant, not just energy independent. We would have made so much money, we would have been paying off our debt. We owe $32 trillion. We would have been paying off debt. We would have been producing jobs. Instead, what are we doing? We're at 5 6 $7 for gasoline in some states. And it's going to get worse. You know, I filled up the nuclear, I filled up the reserves, the strategic reserves. I filled it up, and I filled it up good. And uh, remember, 75 million barrels, and I did that when it was very low. People should, I should get at least acknowledgement. I bought very, when we were low, I said, tell me about, don't forget, I hadn't done it too long. I said, tell me about those uh, strategic reserves I'd hear about as a child under the big salt mines, these massive... So, well, sir, uh, they're close to empty right now. ba. bah, bah. What are they for? They're for war. They're for emergency. And they're in very bad shape. And I remember that. And then I saw that we had an oil price that was so low, like record low in 44 years. And I said, I'm doing a good job. Why don't we... Why don't we fill up our reserves at this low price? And so they made a deal 75 million barrels of oil I bought very inexpensively. And it kept the oil companies alive because I actually got the oil price down so low, I said, I'm going to have to reverse this sucker. These guys are killing each other. You understand what I mean. It's like the baseball owners. If they didn't have a cap, although they don't have a cap too much, but, you know, you almost need a cap. They were they were so low. We actually had a period of time where you would take a barrel of oil they would give you the barrel, but it's no good for Wall because they don't carry barrels. They only carry, you know, it's only paper. They would take the barrel and give you $36. you believe that? Now, that was only for a short period of time, but it took place where if you came and took a barrel, we'll pay you to take a barrel. That's how good it was. The problem was every oil company would have been out of business, so I said, no way. And I actually spoke with Putin. And with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and we get it all worked out, and the oil companies made money, and we produced like we've never produced before, and we had low oil prices, low energy prices, and now those prices are going through the roof. And in order to keep them down, guess what he did? He emptied these strategic reserves. So he could keep him down just prior to the election. He emptied these strategic reserves, and now to fill it up, you're going to be paying four or five times more money. So it's a it's a horrible thing. So I just want to say that um, it's an honor to be with Club Forty Seven. And my friends have been like, I don't know. It's just an incredible. It's an incredible feeling. It really is to have friendship like like we have with you. Good times, bad times, when it was 45, we don't care, sir. We know you're doing the right thing. We have good times. They've talked about Russia hoax. They talked about the fake impeachment hoaxes. They talked, we don't give a damn. You're doing a great job. And I appreciate that. You know, I really do. You're an amazing group of people. No, thank you King. very much. And thank everybody involved. Thank everybody. So with that, we'll do something a little different. Because I remember last time we did it, and we uh, we had a lot of fun. And some people aren't able to do this, and maybe I won't be able to do it too, in which case I got myself a big problem, right? <laughs> but you know what? Uh, no, some people wouldn't do this. They wouldn't say, can you imagine Biden saying, we'll take questions. <laughs> the first question he'll be stumped on. And then they'll come and they'll take him out of the room and that'll be the end of that. And then the media won't report it, right? They'll say, oh, he was brilliant. He made a State of the Union speech the other night. That was so bad. Look, and, and lies, he's taking credit for everything I did. The hearing aids, the kidney, the, everything. But he made one, but he made one two years ago that was, just not good. I, I'm trying to be nice, you know. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. Tremendous stumbling, bumbling. Tremendous bad everything. It, it couldn't have been worse. And I said, boy, he's going to get killed. This is a disaster. And I wanted to see what the opponent, because it is an opponent. They're very dishonest people uh, at MSDNC were saying. MSNBC <laughs> DNC. And I also wanted to see what CNN So I turned on So I think he's going to get killed. Now, FDR was a great speaker, a beautiful voice, patrician voice, beautiful. we will fight, we will fight, we will fight. The great, great, beautiful, right? And I thought that they were going to say this was the greatest embarrassment we've ever had. They compared him to FDR. They said this speech was reminiscent of FDR. Wasn't it brilliant? Jake, wasn't it Bill? Oh yes, of course, brilliant. <laughs> Keep paying my salary, please. I don't get it. I mean, why? Why do they have to be so dishonest? The people see through it. So let's take some questions. Go ahead. Who's got a question? Yes. Mr. Ma'am, go President. Ahead. Go ahead.
7: Mr. President. Yes. I know that you appreciate World War II veterans. I do. And we happen to have a gentleman here, right standing here, that is a World War II veteran once again Whoa. to come listen to you. Thank you sir for your service. Thank
9: you. That's you want to use the mic for the questions?
7: Yes sir. i uh, Captain Randy over here. We got Sergeant Denny over there. I've got good. A, I've got a young lady right here. Okay. Questions go. folks, questions please. The quick, the quick Questions, Randy, I go have one real here. Real quick. I got one, Denny. I'm holding you the Okay, We got it. Real quick. No comments. Real quick.
0: Thank you. President Trump, State Committee Woman Michelle Merrill from Broward County. Yes. My question is, you are the only president bothering to go to New Palatine, Ohio this week. What are you going to say to the residents there about the toxic chemical spill? And what would you have done as president if this had happened under your watch? And what would you do at the EPA that's not bothering to help them? Well, FEMA, thank you, madam.
9: FEMA would have been there within... An hour. And, you know, you have local FEMA. And FEMA was told not to help. And we would have had funds there. We would have had doctors there. We would have known what was happening. And we would have taken care of And we would have consoled people. They were left hopeless. The government said they're not coming. FEMA said they're not coming. Look, until I announced two days ago that I was going, they weren't doing it. Once I announced I'm going, they said, well, we're going to and we're going to bring a lot of money. That's not the way it's supposed to be handled. So... We would have taken care of those people. And they'll be now taken care of, but it'll be a little bit later than it should have been. Okay? Good question.
7: Sergeant Denny on that side of the room. Yes, we have one right here. John. President Trump, I'd like to say it's a great honor to be in the same room with you. Thank one. you. It's my honor. I'd also, I'd also like to thank you for your sacrifice. To the people of this country, thank you. People, very um, nice. People don't understand. You had it made in the shade, and you stuck your neck out for us. That's true. That, (laughs) and it's still out there. Appreciate that. So my question is this: the current administration is consciously leaving the board wide open. What's your theory? for why they might be doing that. Right. It's a very fair... So the border
9: is open. How could anybody do that? Why would they do it? So I say there are two answers. They're either... I don't believe it's voting because they cheat in the elections without having to go through it. Why do they have to do that? They cheat without... They don't need all these people coming in that, that are going to be robbing your houses in many cases, okay? and 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 worse than that. So there are two questions. They're either stupid... Or they hate our country. And we know they're not stupid because anybody that can cheat that much on elections cannot be stupid. They're not stupid. They're radical left maniacs. And I believe they actually hate our country. I really do. I believe that. Okay?
7: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. President Trump, we have a gentleman here. here, here. Go ahead. Go ahead. President Trump. You have been phenomenal in your support for first responders and law and order.
1: And uh, in the last boat parade before the 2019 election, we put a barge in it with fire trucks and cop cars on the barge. And in the front of that barge, we had a six-foot by 30-foot banner of you saluting first responders. At the bottom, it said, thank you, President Trump, for having our backs.
9: That's right.
7: So we would like you to autograph that banner. if possible. I'll do that. Can we bring it by, Mara Long? Sure. You bring it by. Thank you, President Trump. You bring it by. Sergeant Denny on your side. I remember that. Thank you. Now relax. Relax. Uh, Mr. President, we have a question from a younger in the audience.
8: Uh, hello, Mr. President.
7: Hi.
9: I love that shirt. It's so beautiful. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh,
8: Thank you. He's got
9: a shirt. Trump won.
8: <laughs> After you become the 47th president, what are you going to do to stop the war in Ukraine?
9: So I would uh, literally start calling not... From the day I took over, but from the night I won and I called two people. You know who the two people are? Putin, right? You know who Putin is? And Zelensky. And I'd say, We're gonna meet. We're gonna meet. <laughs> and I would I I guarantee I could work that out. I guarantee I know exactly what I'd say by the way, I know exactly. I'd tell one guy this and I tell one guy that and I say you better make a deal. We would have a deal made
7: in twenty four hours. <laughs> President Trump, on this side, back to this side of the room.
8: Hello, President Hi. Trump. Hi. Hi. Um, I am the Rebecca Harari, the president of the America First Club here in Florida. Right,
9: that's right. Thank and you, Rebecca.
8: Thank you. Uh, my question to you is, since you've left office, there has been an alarming a, a rise of anti-Semitism all across America. When you come back to office... How will you address this?
9: Well, we'll Thank get, you, ma'am. We'll get it stopped. As you know, they're after the radical right now. And uh it's very unfair. They don't do anything with Antifa. And if you look at Antifa, and Antifa to the Jewish population, not good. And BLM, not good. Here. But they're after radical right people. And in many cases, these are people yeah. that love our country like... Nobody loves our country, and we'll handle that situation. You know, we did something that I think was greatly helpful to Israel. Many things, but one of the things was uh, the Abraham Accords. Nobody thought that was possible, and that would have been that was four countries that that would have been completed by now, and get a lot of credit for. It. But we also did Jerusalem, as you know, the capital. We made Jerusalem the capital. We we not only assigned the embassy to be there, but we built the embassy for a slightly lower price. It was supposed to cost two billion dollars. I got it done for five hundred thousand dollars. Is that a good get... We saved almost two billion and we got it built and there's no reason to ever replace it. It's really good. And a lot of other things we did, you know? So uh, but I appreciate that question and uh, I, I see that myself. I think it's uh, it's terrible. But we'll take care of it very quickly. Thank you very much. Good job you're doing too
7: Sergeant Denning. Mr President
9: I think we have a campaign question here.
6: Water. First of all, I want to tell you that I love you, and the Hispanics um, love you. With President
9: Trump, I love and you. And I love the Hispanics. Woo! I love those We Hispanics. love you. And my question that's, is... That's, by the way, that's the group that we've gone up the most with. Amen. They get it. They get it. They're hardworking. Are you Hispanic? Good. And I have a group in Vero Beach, Florida, and we're going to be campaigning for you. We love you very much. Thank you very much. My question
6: to you is, we're also praying for you every day. Thank you. My question to you is, when are you going to announce your vice presidency? The vice president.
9: How about now? I'll do it right now. (laughs) Now, you know, it's a very important position, but... Nobody votes for the vice president. You know, in all of the years that I've been watching, and it's a pretty well-known statement, and that's not the reason you're doing it, you need somebody with great talent, great experience, you know, in case something happens, uh, we'll be announcing it at an appropriate time. It could be a little bit earlier than normal. It could be maybe not at all, and maybe I won't do that for a while. Uh, a lot of people are right now auditioning, you know, that a lot of people, a lot of people that are running at 1%, 2%, 3%, no percent. We have a couple that are joining. They're at no percent. I say, I wonder what they're doing. I think they're auctioning right now. for. They're auditioning right now for a vice president. No, it's a very fair question. At the the appropriate time, I'll be doing something. Thank you very much. Very nice. Thank you.
7: Mr. President. Mr. President. Yeah. We have a five-year-old. Good. I know that you have a you said grandchildren we have a young five-year-old girl named beautiful paisley would like to ask you a okay. question paisley, paisley. Hi, are you paisley. ready paisley yes you go ahead
9: <laughs> well why is it so expensive now in the old days
7: <laughs> thank you paisley <laughs> that's
9: that's a very good question she's basically talking about inflation <laughs> It's a lot. It's much more expensive now for mom to go out and buy whatever she's buying without exception, by the way, without exception. So it started off with energy, but the energy morphed into everything. And uh, we'll get that down very quickly. You know, when we get energy down, everything else is going to come down, too. So we're going to get it down very, very quickly. And it's a very good question. Thank you,
7: darling. <laughs> Sergeant Denny. Guess we have a question here, Mr. President. Yes. Oh, Joe, come on. Hello, Mr. President. Thank Hi. you so much for everything you've done for us. We, Thank you. We, we all love you. Thank you. We have a problem with all the
9: three-letter letter agencies in Washington, the CIA, the yeah. FBI. The so CIA. do I. What 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 is your plan to, I hate to put it this way, but burn them down and start all over again? Yeah. Hey, um, they've, they've gotten out of control. They have. Uh, weaponization in some forms and other things. Uh, They have really gotten out of control and uh, the only thing that can change that are the people and we had, we did a lot of work and we were really getting down to a point that, you know, nobody could believe how well we were doing in that regard but, uh We're going to have to do something about it. We're going to make changes and big changes, and that change has to start from the top. Shutter them. Some agencies are just stone-cold. Now, they've gotten a lot of courage because they've been encouraged by the radical left Democrats. I mean, many of these people are – I don't even know if it's Biden, to be honest with you, but many of these people are just stone-cold left, crazy Marxist, communist people. And it's sort of like the border. Who wants to have an open border? Then you say, who wants to have a CIA like this? And who wants, and I have to say, when I was working with the CIA, we took out more terrorists than any other president. We were knocking them out left and right, and I really had a very good relationship with the CIA. They did a good job, but they certainly seem to be out of control right now. And the other ones too tear it down who make the changes that have to be made you know it was very interesting when i first became president i didn't really know anybody in washington and i was a new york person i rarely went to washington i think they said that i went to washington 17 times during the course of my life and i never stayed over so you know i wasn't a washington establishment person and i had to rely on some people to give me advice as to who put in now i have to say you don't read about them. You don't hear about them. So many different people. Uh, Bob Lighthizer and Trey. We had so many great people. But we also had some people that weren't the greatest that I wouldn't have put in, that are rhinos or, you know, bad rhinos as opposed to good rhinos. Some Republican in-name onlys are pretty good people. And they're not my kind of people generally. But we had some great people. But we also had people that I would have never chosen. Now that I've done this and done it intensely, I would say probably more intense than anybody's ever been president, right? And by the way, every time our poll numbers go up and they're going up like a rocket ship, every time, and again, because they're doing so poorly on the other side, and they saw what we did, but every time our poll numbers go up, uh, those agencies that we talk about get meaner, meaner, crazier, and they want to use that to try and win political battles, and you just can't do it. But I will say that... Uh, I know the people of Washington right now better than almost anybody, and I know the great ones who will do the job, who won't be a coward as attorney general, because we had a couple of attorney generals that uh, didn't have courage, let's say. I mean, Bill Barr was going to be impeached. They said they're going to impeach him. I said, impeach him for what? I said, I got impeached twice and my numbers went up, so maybe it's a good... But he said, I don't want to be impeached. I don't want to be impeached. And, you know, they lose their character. They lose their strength. We can't have that. We need brave patriots. And I know I know the people. I now know that establishment. Because nobody has lived in Washington like I've lived in Washington. That's for sure. Okay, let's go. Mr. President. Thank you. Yeah. 1982, AT&T was dismantled because it became too big for its britches. AT&T subsidiary DirecTV just banned Newsmax from broadcasting. Is it time to dismantle AT&T again because it's getting too big for its bridges? Thank you, sir. AT&T is a lousy company. It's highly over-levered. It's run by radical left people. Honestly, it's doing so badly. You know, normally you dismantle when they're doing so well. AT&T is doing badly. Uh, they got rid of, uh, they took it, and uh, DirecTV, which I guess they own, and they got rid of Newsmax, and hopefully they'll put it back. And OAN also, OAN was fantastic, and still is fantastic, but it's a struggle for them because they're being deplatformed. They deplatformed me, and now they're all begging for me to come back. You know why? Because they're <laughs> dying out there without us. That's why truth is so good. That's why truth is so good. But you know what I mean. AT&T is like a lousy company. It's leveraged to the hilt. It, uh, it's doing very poorly, and yet they get rid of a, a Newsmax and an OAN, who actually both got very good ratings. And I think uh, there's a lot of pressure being put on them. AT&T st- uh, dropped, you know, their stock since that time. Now, I haven't seen the last couple of days, but a few days ago it was $10 billion. <laughs> People don't like it. People don't like <clears throat> it. And they do, to a certain extent, vote with their wallets. So hopefully AT&T, if you're listening... Change your ways, AT&T. <laughs> okay, good, good question. Thank
7: you, go ahead. Sergeant Denny. Okay, here we go.
0: Thank you, President Trump. So we can sit here, but nothing means anything unless we have a valid election. What will we do to change it now? Yeah. Clean up.
9: I agree. So it's such a great. It's a question I would ask first all the time, because we have to get in. So what we're going to do is number one. They collect and they harvest ballots. In many places it's illegal, but they do it anyway. We're gonna to have to get a lot of ballots, and I was always for election day voting, but when I watched what happened in Arizona where the machines were all broken, the machines were, were broken. A large percentage of those machines were absolutely broken. Kerry Lake had lines so long, and the people couldn't vote because a big percentage of the machines in Republican areas were Broken, okay? What we're gonna have to do is we're gonna have to fight like hell on that day, those few days of the election, and we're gonna have to make sure they're not gonna steal this election from us. The Republicans were not well represented, and sometimes when they were in Philadelphia and Detroit, they were literally escorted and thrown out of the rooms. We have to fight that there's a minimum that there should be none, election fraud. It's the biggest Problem we have. Once we're in, we can change it to paper ballots, same day voting, voter ID, and be done. Okay? You know, you know, France had, France had a big problem. They had a huge problem with the, the whole thing for years, and they went back to paper ba- ballots and they went to the same day voting. They just had an election, 36 million votes, it was over by 10.30 in the evening, and there were no complaints. And that's what we have to do, okay? But we have to be in office to do it. You can't do it from because the Democrats do not want to do it. See, I happen to think that their policies are so bad. Think, what do they do? They want a high taxes. The education, they're destroying our children. They want borders where we're being invaded by millions and millions of people, and many of those people come out of prisons, and they come out of mental institutions, and They're bad people. Many, many of them are bad, bad people. When you hear the different, and they want, I mean, think of it, they want to raise your taxes. Everything they have, it's April Fool's, everything they have is is bad. I happen to think that if they didn't cheat in elections, they could never win an election. Who's going to win? Who's going to win an election with open borders? Who's going to win an election? We want no voter ID. Remember this. They did a poll among Democrats, and it voted 84% that they wanted voter ID. The Democrats, not the leaders. They want 100% no voter ID. So you can't get a voter ID because they want to cheat. There's only one reason you don't want voter ID, and that's because you want to cheat. But if we get in office... My One of the early things, I have to be honest, I'm going to please up the border. We're going to get the criminals out of this country. We're going to do a lot of things. But, but one of the early things we're going to do is same day voting, paper ballots, voter ID. Now, one thing I have to say, very important, again, and I said it before and I'll say it again because I don't know. I don't see any action, although Alabama has actually done, is doing this and has done it, But I don't see any action on same-day voting, voter ID, and paper ballots by Republican governors. So, Republican governors, get your asses out there and get it
7: done. Okay? Get it done. All right, we'll take a couple of more. Go ahead. Mr. President, Donnie. Donnie in the back. How you doing, doing, Mr. President? Uh, Hi, Donnie. Hi. I just want to thank you, and I want to say that one of your greatest accomplishments is all the people you've brought together in this country. I can guarantee you everybody in this room thank has you. made many new friends because of you. Thank you very much. And so my question is, since you're fighting for us, what do you want us to do to fight for you?
9: Just your support. Your support. And not even monetary support. I mean, what we need is your absolute undying support, and we have it. And we have other places throughout the country where the spirit – we've never seen spirit like we see it right now. And I think, Donnie, that spirit, that support uh, – and we can't be stopped. And once we're there, we're going to fix this country. You know, the one good thing about having the result that we had – and I've said this a few times, but I mean it more now than ever – is people see how bad it's been for two years and now three years and four years. You know, think of it. You know, we're talking about the primaries beginning in substantially less than one year. Think of it. When it was four years, now a lot of people had visions that the election would have been corrected, but the judges didn't have courage and a lot of people didn't have courage, frankly. But we're talking about... Less than a year before the primary starts. You take a look at the dates in uh, February. It's incredible. Less than a year. But what we need is we need that spirit. We have to have the spirit just like it is right now. And I think we will. I've never seen anything like it. And I've gone through two. And I always say I had somebody from the New York Times come in, the good old New York Times, the fake failing New York Times. But they came and they said, well, what's the difference between 16 and 20, the elections? And when I said, well, actually, we did much better in 20 than we did in 16," what do you mean by that? And he said, we got millions and millions more votes. But something was haywire. And we all know in this room what was haywire. And I was told by the great pollsters like John McLaughlin, Fabrizio, I was told by a lot of them that if you get the same 63 million votes that you got in 16, there's no way you can lose the election. And we got close to 75 million votes. And that's only what they agreed to. That's only what they say. It's much higher than that. But they agreed to it. So we got, based on that, we got 12 million more votes, right? And we lost by a whisker here and a whisker there. And, you know, when you look, oh, Pennsylvania. How about Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania was over at 10 o'clock. And then all of a sudden, they had a large drop now these people are really, uh, it's so sad. It's so sad. I mean, they have this unselect committee, you know, the unselect committee of political thugs, and they didn't spend ten minutes looking at voter fraud. They only looked at people that were complaining about the election. They should have been looking about voter fraud, not the people that were complaining about voter fraud. So anyway, go ahead. Well, we're going to have to, you're going to have to keep your eyes open. You're going to have to keep your eyes open and you're going to have to work like hell around that period of time. And you're going to have to surround those places. And, you know, they have thugs. They had thugs that would escort people out of the room. When you look at poll watchers, they had thugs that would take them right out of the room. Sorry. And it was horrible in Philadelphia, Detroit. We
7: have stories and they're all documented, too. But people don't want to listen to them. All right, go ahead. Mr. President, we have two questions as you asked left for you. Right. One Sergeant Denny and then coming back to Captain. One Randy. here from the Young Republicans yeah. of Palm Beach County. Okay, good.
8: Hi, Mr. President. My oh, name is yeah. Ashton. I'm the President of the Palm Beach County Young Republicans. Very
9: impressive. Very yes. good. Wow.
8: Yes, so. Good. As the club and as young people, what is the strategic
4: campaign messaging to reach millennials and Gen Z?
9: Well, I, I look, I said, I have one little phrase that I think became the most powerful phrase in the history of politics and maybe in any country. You know what the phrase is? Make America great again. (laughs) Now we can go into details. And you know what the details, because we've been talking about them the whole night. Make America great again. Another one, America first. We put America first. They're putting America last. We're taking care of other countries We don't take care of ourselves. But... Make America great again. Okay? Thank you, darling. Great job. And we
7: have one last question, sir. President Trump, thank you for being the best thank president you. of our lifetime. Oh, thank
9: you very much. Nice. Very nice.
7: Amazing what you've done for this country. Thank you very much. Um, I've been working with the Palm Beach County Election Integrity Group, along with Linda and a few others that are here and others that aren't. And uh, what is your opinion on the machines and how they interfere in elections?
9: I don't like them. I don't like thank them. Thank you. I don't like them at all. You know, I I I could talk about them for hours. But no, I don't like them. But you know, the the news media, including Fox, they're afraid to even talk about it. They don't want to talk about the subject. It's incredible. No, I don't like them at all. Not at all. Well, I want to just end by uh, again saying thank you, and we'll do this again. I love these question and answer periods and statement periods. But you are an incredible group of patriots and people. And we're going to do things that have never been seen. You know, 2016 was a very exciting election. And 2020 should have been an even more exciting election. And uh, bad things happened. Really, really disgusting bad things happened. But I just want to thank you very much. We're going to do it in 24. We're going to do it with your help. And we're going to, uh, we're going to make up for all the mistakes, all the errors, all the horrible things that have taken place over the last three years now. And it'll be four years because they have no intention of changing. So God bless you all. Thank you very much. We'll see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ladies
4: and gentlemen, President. All right. So let's go through some of these thank yous. And let's talk about the conversation that's going on in the chat. Blondie thinks that President Trump is owned by the Kazarian mafia. You said earlier that it was the Jews that bailed him out. If I'm not mistaken it was uh it was financial institutions that bailed him out which if you go by uh popular convention uh they uh have an overrepresentation of people who are Jewish in them so I don't know how president Trump could have gotten money from somebody that wasn't connected uh to uh, Judaism in some fashion so I feel like that's just a fallacious argument it doesn't hold any water um and I'm fine if you don't like president Trump uh, but to me We don't have any other choice. President Trump was the only president that made America better. I've been alive since 1978, uh, and Ronald Reagan did a fair amount, but he was also held back by his vice president, George H.W. Bush, and, of course, the CIA assassination that they attempted on him. So it could have been better. President Trump, he did uh, a lot to push America forward. Now, I said this also in the chat. You may not like everything President Trump did, but if you're going to cast the baby out with the bathwater, you're going to be waiting a very long time to find anyone in politics that you agree with 100% of the time. We weren't present in the room when President Trump made decisions. We weren't uh, we weren't privy to the information that he was being given. I am not a person who thinks that President Trump is psychic and knows absolutely everything. I look at him as a businessman who ran a successful company and then ran for president and used those business principles inside the White House while he was there. So he's good at negotiations. Uh, He is good at getting people to do things that he wants them to do. But is he all-knowing? No. Is he all prescient? No, not at all. So there are definitely some portions of his government that he allowed the people who were supposed to be running those sections of the government do that. And they gave him their advice based upon their expertise, and sometimes it was wrong. Certainly, he said that in terms of uh, Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks. No, he hasn't come out against the jab. He has come out against the jab, the vaccine mandates. But there are so many things that we are giving our opinions on as if they are fact. Okay, anybody out there who doesn't like Donald Trump for this or that, you have your right to that opinion. But just because you believe something doesn't make it so. It doesn't make it true. And so oftentimes I see people in the chat, even me, I I end up arguing with people about things that truthfully don't matter. Let me tell you the secret to happiness. Accept that you're going to die and that you have no idea when it will come. And then wake up every single morning acting like it's your last day on earth. And you want to enjoy every single moment of that day. You want to tell the people in your life that you love them. You want to go out and make a difference in the world. If you can do that, then every single day will be the best day of your life. Despite all of the bullshit that the world throws at you. despite all of the terrible decisions that are happening in our government, despite all of the restrictions of our freedom, if you can act every single day like you're going to make a difference and like it might be the last time you get a chance to do it, then I swear to you, every single moment will be of substance and consequence to you. And you will find yourself to be a lot happier. America might not survive, okay? But does that mean that I'm going to wake up every morning with a black cloud over my head saying, oh, well, you know, it's over? No, I'm going to wake up every morning and fight like hell to ensure that America will survive. And until somebody puts me in the ground or puts me in a gulag, then my job continues on and I still get to do it. Uh Now, let me go through some of these thank yous here. Uh Noahide laws say Christians can be killed for not denouncing Jesus. It's Shabba Lubavitz. Well, none of the Khazarian mafia have come and tried to kill me. So I could give two shits about the Khazarian mafia. Yeah, I, I know exactly who they are, and I know exactly what they're doing. And I think that the things we are fighting against, uh, the information we're trying to put out there, exposes them and makes their jobs more difficult. But I'm not worried about the Kazarian Mafia coming and taking my head, uh, because I'm well-armed. I am stacked to the teeth. So, Just Revere says, low on flow right now, but I appreciate everything you do. Uh, look at South Africa. Oh, I said this earlier. Uh, Veruca said, thank you, Zach, for covering the best president in our time. God bless the world, and President Donald J. Trump. C. -C Meadows said, uh, you probably know that Soros bought Florida Latino radio stations. No, I didn't. Uh, Have you seen the letter from Congress to WhatsApp on censoring mis- and disinformation on Latinos, primarily using that app to spread information? I am not. I I believe she... I think it's a she. Send it to me. Uh, then Lisa Lady said, Nathaniel wanted to say hi. He just turned 15. Dusty is 14. They are growing up so fast. I'm so happy to hear that. I hope they're happy and healthy and that you guys are having a wonderful time. Uh, Nick Time 7 said, love that Trump. And then Mingo314 says, Project Veritas will pull a Project Veritas on Project Veritas. That actually is something that could happen. Now, while we were live, Project Veritas came out with their own statement. And I just want to go back to the idea uh that uh, and it, it says it here in their letter that uh they wanted to work it out with James, but James wouldn't talk to them. And again, all we have is their word against James's word. And uh, unless we can get inside their heads or something gets decided in court and maybe something else comes out, internal communications, that's all we're going to have is he said, they said. Uh, so looking over here at the foxhole, just duckies. Thank you very much for that cookie. JackAttack17 says, let's effing go. Willie it says, Project Veritas now brought to you by Pfizer. Uh, C. Blanche says, Jizo Pete's Ohio Kimmy said, cookie, dropped a cookie. Just duckies. Uh, uh, s- and 1776, how do you know that Trump is a Scottish free-right mason? And how do you know that that even has any bearing on what he's doing? Is President Trump secretly, as a Mason, working to undermine the uh, fabric of America? Uh, I mean, the things that he did while he was president don't seem to go in line with the goals of the deep state, which are probably loaded up with Masons, too. I, I don't know. Uh, let me see uh c blanche says jizo pete's oh Kimmy thanks again just duckies uh we will follow the truth we march together james o'keefe will remain on his truth quest brainstorm says what's up fam filter dog one says it was vinyl chloride not poly yes vinyl chloride not polyvinyl chloride boise blanc 89 thank you for the cookie Uh filter dog one precision scheduled railroading is horrible uh, let me see. C Blanche says, thanks. RP78 winning. Porpoiseful, thank you for the cookie. C, Sean Joe, thanks for the cookie. Red Pill Ken says, not my president. Brandon is president of Ukraine and resident in the White House. That's an excellent point. Uh, let's see. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Janice17, thank you for the cookie. Uh, Sean Joe, thanks again. Patriot714, didn't you tell Adel two weeks ago about the chat saying the Illuminati was real? Uh, I mean, no, I don't think that was me, but I mean, I think the Illuminati is real. So I don't know what you mean. Uh, C. Blanche, thank you for the can. Casey, thanks for the can. C. Blanche, thank you as well. Also says uh dig. Thanks, I'll be watching here. C. Blanche says glad you're not quitting your day job. God bless. Porp is full. Thank you for the cookie. C. Blanche says greatest POTUS of all time. C. Blanche. Thanks for the gold pills. Casey as well. C. Blanche says, save our ship, fam. I'm a busted. Jack Attack 17 dropped a cookie inside. Gino dropped some shades. Liberty Bell said, just caught part, but thank you for all you do. Uh, and then Brainstorm said, thank you. Red Pill, our cloaked unseen world. Good to see you, buddy. I uh, see. To defeat Neg Peeps, say all my love to you, your family, and all humanity. And from that, my heart will never waver. And then Brainstorm says, where we go when we go all stronger together. Uh So here we are, guys. We find ourselves kind of in this in-between place. And uh, I said this earlier, but if you think that things should be done differently, if you think that it's not being done right, then I urge you to run for office. I urge you to do something in your community to lead people out of these dark times. Uh, because that's the only way that this is going to work out, in my opinion. All right, you guys, uh, thank you very much for being here tonight. I certainly appreciate it. And Blondie, I will agree with you here. Idol worship of anyone, any man, is a bad thing. And people definitely need to, uh, temper their, uh, uh, their opinions on things. We have to recognize that everyone on planet Earth is a human. They are fallible. They can make the mistakes and, uh, they can do things that you won't agree with. So thank you for being here. Let me pass out these. Oh, shoot. You know what? <laughs> I meant to, uh, hang on, hang on. Uh, hold on, hold on. I I am I am pulling up that that letter from Project Veritas, the 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 statement that they put out. Hold on, just a second. Uh oh, shoot. I gotta turn on my Wi-Fi. I wanted to wanted to make sure that we talked about this. There we go. Okay, so so James O'Keefe held a position on the board. He held the position of CEO, and he was the founder of Project Veritas. So he was removed from his board position, but it sounds like he was not removed from Project Veritas at large. So it it appears that they were willing to allow him to stay there in some type of role as they got it sorted out. And and I'm not saying that Project Veritas is telling us the whole story. And the video from James O'Keefe tells a very different story. He doesn't even say anything about what he might do if it weren't for the fact that he was no longer CEO. But this is what they claim. Today, James O'Keefe decided to remove his belongings from Project Veritas headquarters. That indicates that they didn't kick him out and tell him to remove his things. The board and management made, made numerous attempts in the last 14 days to have a conversation with James, but he ignored our outreach and decided to instead leak private information to others, either doing it by himself or by proxy. Uh, as today is President's Day, we had a board meeting scheduled for tomorrow where James was invited, but there was also a board meeting on Friday, February 10th, where James was invited but did not attend to discuss the financial malfeasance that was discovered, which requires us to act in order to remain in compliance with the law. And this is where it gets very complicated, because if Project Veritas is making these claims without any evidence, well then they're now going to be liable for some damages themselves. But if there is some financial malfeasance that's going on, they're going to have to prove that, and they're going to have to take it to the law. So, uh, they claim that there were two subjects that the board wished to come to terms with James on. The company's long-term sustainability based on staff retention and morale and the company's financial health. The company's financial health stuff I had never heard of until this uh, statement was put out earlier while we were live. Uh, although Project Veritas leadership has not concluded looking into the full scale of financial issues over the years. A preliminary review at this time indicates that James has spent an excessive amount of donor funds in the last three years on personal luxuries. Just Revere says, dude, there's no difference. When they took him out as CEO, they destroyed him. Would you stay on Red Pill News if you were subverted this way? No, and I'm not. Oh, my God. Okay. All right all right i i'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into these semantics here this is like all i'm trying to do is tell people to like you know calm down just a little bit and understand all the information that's being put out. I am not saying that james O'Keefe should have remained in a ceremonial position, okay <laughs> when I titled the show at the beginning. A resignation letter is what you hand in when you are leaving someplace, regardless of how it happened. I have turned in resignation letters before when I was fired. It was a simple definition of exactly what it was, okay? And my point was to come on the air and discuss the greater implications of this. Let me just finish this, and I've got to go, because I've got another show after this. So they claim that James spent all this money and that includes $14,000 on a charter flight to meet someone to fix his boat under the guise of meeting a donor, $60,000 in losses by putting together dance events as Project Veritas experience, over $150,000 in black cars in the last 18 months, thousands of dollars on DJ and other uh, equipment for personal use, hundreds of other acts of personal inurement. Now, here's the thing about all of these claims. Every single one of these could be justifiably considered as a business expenditure by James O'Keefe if he was to expense it correctly. This, to me, sounds like they are trying to find something after the fact to pin on him to show that all of the blame of James O'Keefe no longer being at Project Veritas is his fault and it has nothing to do with the board. So at the end of the day, this is a hostile takeover. I'm not attacking you. Sorry. Keep up the good work. Okay. Well, thank you. It's just, you know, I'm a little over it right now. Uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, I've got a lot going on, and I'm just like not, I'm not into it right now. All right. So the board wants to work things out with James, they said. Uh, but he left us no choice but to suspend him in the last few weeks when he unilaterally fired the CFO without board approval. Now, knowing something about nonprofit organizations, this is true if you have a board of directors and you have a set of bylaws, you have to adhere to those bylaws. Otherwise, you are outside of the bounds of what you're allowed to do. And if the bylaw stated that James O'Keefe did not have the right to unilaterally fire someone, then that would be a problem. Uh, now, uh, they say that he lied about other people uh, co-signing on that, um, but then they say they have a legal obligation to comply with state and federal laws. And these are serious matters and they can't be ignored so at the end of the day now project veritas is going to have to put their money where their mouth is and i would uh, imagine that james o'keefe is going to also put his money where his mouth is because if these expenses were you know uh, on the books there i'm sure he's going to have the appropriate evidence to show that everything was above board uh personally you know, again, this is a hostile takeover from all the looks of it. And uh, as I stated at the beginning, Project Veritas is not going to remain in the current form. Uh I wonder who they're going to choose to run it after James O'Keefe is totally gone. And that's, you know, today. So if they have a board meeting tomorrow, they're probably going to be choosing that. That's going to be uh, a big tell because it'll show you who at Project Veritas was working to oust James that entire time because if they wanted him out then you better believe they had somebody else that they wanted to install in there to basically get him in and uh, and and start running things the way that they wanted to. So, I have to also say that James O'Keefe mentioning the uh Pfizer story, I think that's a big tell as well. You know, the the person that I spoke with the Project Veritas initially they said that it had nothing to do with the Pfizer story, but it's just a very coincidental timing. Uh, and so it it uh, it makes me think that perhaps it might have. All right, let me pass out the gold pills, and let me say thank you to Sean Joe. Appreciate it. And here we go. And I'll be back tonight at ten thirty on baseless conspiracies with John. And I'm sorry the gold pills might not work tonight. Uh I'm having some issues getting the foxhole to work. Oh, here we go. All right, the gold pills have been released. All right, I'll see you guys tonight, 10.30, on Baseless Conspiracies on Badlands Media. Otherwise, I'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. Good luck and God bless. We'll see you then.